party started. This is Ghetto. Broadcasting live from the studios of AM570. It's on a website. This is FNA. Man, get out my way and watch out as I come. I am a god. Now what? Why don't you get out of that jumpsuit and let me smack that fat ass? <laughs> That's a scary crew. As far as the product goes, uh, the voice of a new generation, man. You guys are the young guys. Are really at the top of their games. The two of them had something in common. We bring you Radio Ecstasy. Oh, it's beautiful. Broadcasting live from the studios of AM570. FNA. FNA. Let it happen. This is the FNA Podcast. FNA, man. It's the FNA Podcast here on a Monday. With myself, Adam Osland, Adam Auckland, and Kevin Figures. <laughs> we are glad to be back with you since Thursday's show where we had Cole Wright on, I believe. I got Cole World, one of our favorites, Cole Wright, when he gave us an education on Texas high school football. Yeah. Maybe I can win some bar bets with that. I don't know. I just brought up Friday Night Lights for a second, oh, yeah, and that just, was it. Just went off on a tangent. We People, set him off. Cole started talking about his glory days covering uh, high school ball down in Texas. Set him off like that Snoop Dogg song in The Last Meal, which was his last album on No Limit. That's a good song with MC it's Ren. It's a good album. <laughs> it is it's a good so album. <laughs> I think Snoop. Ice Cube does the uh, chorus for that song. He does. Most, most of Snoop's albums are pretty damn good. Now, people have kind of softened on him a little bit lately, but even his church album, which a lot of people raised eyebrows about, was Take pretty me damn to good. Church. <laughs> he will. It was great. Got a lot of good reviews from a lot, especially a lot of people who were hating on it to begin with, saying Snoop is a gangster. He's a rapper. He you know, killed somebody, allegedly. Uh, he, Murder was the case that they gave me. Yeah. Uh, but really turned himself around a little bit. I say he's. My mom has like a great disdain for Snoop, and I Since never doing knew the why. Girls Gone Wild tape. He's turned himself around. I'd say so. <laughs> Do we still have that music? I, you know, somebody deleted it. I have to dig that back. Was up. that for our NFL Gone Wild so segment? We had we called it Athletes Gone Wild, okay. and basically, when athletes would do something off the radar or super crazy. Which is fairly often. Pure athlete, yeah. You know the stories of like the athlete breaks into a uh, donut shop and steals a bunch of maple bars. Who did that? Remember that story? <laughs> that he, was me. He stole. <laughs> no. he, he broke in. Stole. That- he stole like like twenty bucks worth of maple bars or something. Hey, if it was at Voodoo Donuts where they put the bacon strip on top of the maple bar, I couldn't blame him. That sounds like a little bit much. <laughs> Golden Tate. <laughs> And was, Golden he Tate seems to his head on so much straighter than he was that. still balling. It was Golden Tate who had an excellent game, and the uh, Lions lost to the Cowboys on Sunday. But yeah, 3 a.m., went to Top Pot Donuts in Seattle. This is back when he played for the Seahawks, apparently. Okay. Um, he had a I craving. Could, I guess so. <laughs> oh, they be double fish, no churros, man. It doesn't open until <laughs> 7 a.m. on Saturdays. He and her friend broke in at 3 o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning and uh, stole maple bars. Okay. What was Golden the... Tate said, quote, they're irresistible. <laughs> That's a good selling point for that donut shop. People will break into our place to get our maple bars. He says, it was kind of a foolish mistake. That won't happen again. Kind of? <laughs> what was the uh, fine or jail time? Or see what? if I could pull it up. It was a fine. Let me see. Okay. Uh, going Did down. you ever hear about that show, To Catch a Predator? This does not fall into that category. Not in the least. Not in Unless the least he was using the maple bars to, to get little children in. to come over, but I don't think that's it. Well, so get far. the co-founder and owner of the place decided not to press charges against him. Oh. 
So he didn't because go to jail. they know that's good advertising. Probably, <laughs> hey, like the donuts of the Seattle Seahawks right here. How did he break in? Was it like a glass door, and he went all Mission Impossible and made like a circle, and then just put his hand through and unlocked it himself? I thought there was a video, but I don't see a link to a video here. I could have swore there was like a there was like you know he's a diamond and cut through it video or something, uh, but apparently not. <laughs> now Golden Tate. Oh, you know what? Tate lived in the building, so it was one of those. He lives in one of the apartments, and then down below they have businesses yeah. underneath. It was. One Even more understandable. We have those type of apartments in Burbank. We do. We and do. if somebody went over there and got into that Japanese octopus place that's right next to our, <laughs> my, right next to our, uh, our gym. Yeah. Somebody, somebody breaks center. into that Subway shop, which I haven't been to, by the way. I'm always tempted, but let's go. <laughs> no one breaking into Subway. Uh, uh, no, oh, oh, the no, witches' no. sandwiches? No, nah, it has a dude's. What's the name of the place? It has a picture of some dude on it. It's not a subway. It's not Subway, but it's like they have subs and heroes. And okay. It's right next to the Starbucks. And by the way, if you've not been to downtown Burbank, you have no clue what the F we're talking about. The bank. Yeah. Uh, it's hard it's over right there. It's right next to the Starbucks. They have like sandwiches and a bunch of stuff. I, I would break into the Noah's Bagels. If I was going to do anything in that area with breaking into a place late at night because big, I had a craving. You're big into the Noah's Bagels. Yeah. And I get extra spread or extra smear extra cream cheese on there on my toasted blueberry bagels i used to go two two at a time and i get them lodged right here um i'm sorry (laughs) sorry that was the old uh tommy boy reference (laughs) but yeah golden tate said a top donut one of the first things he tried when he first arrived in seattle I thought it was Russell Wilson's girl or something like that. Who was the guy? Who was the girl he allegedly slept with, and that caused this big friction on the team? Is that what it was? Wait, that Golden Tate slept with Sierra? I don't know. Or no, was it, it was Russell before Wilson's Sierra. Ex-wife. It may not have been Russell Wilson. Somebody on that team. Man, what is with people t- banging their teammates' wives? Is it something in the Pacific Northwest? Remember Brent Barry played for the Sonics for a little bit, then he goes down there to San Antonio oh, and like I don't know Tony, if Parker. Tony Parker got a sniff or something. And you then dirty dog who was with Eva Longoria. Right. And he still although I did think Brent Barry's wife was hotter. Now that doesn't that doesn't mean it's any excuse so for doesn't. what Tony Parker did. Look, man. That goes to the example that, and Petros wasn't the first one to say it, but I've heard it multiple times over, and he used to say it all the time when I would listen to his old show. I don't think he said it much lately, but he would say, for every hot girl there is out there, there's somebody tired of having sex with her. Harsh as it may sound. Kind of true. Yeah. So. That's how we're wired as men, apparently. <laughs> but then there's a certain times when it's just like, man, you... You just left, can't get enough. You left that for, for that? Yeah. I mean, and that seems like it's more often than not it works out that way. Without calling anybody out by name. Now, when T.I. Just... cheats on Tiny, <laughs> completely understandable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but sometimes guys downgrade. This is true. It just seems like the majority of the time, well, at least when they talk about celebrities, which is obvious, most celebrities are with other celebrities and they're all good looking. It's always a downgrade. Yeah, this guy was with this hot model. But all of a sudden, he starts banging the nanny, who looks like she just came off of... Are talking about Arnold? <laughs> well, no. I said I wasn't going to say any names, but yeah, some of y'all can pick up on what I was alluding to in that one particular example. Sure. Brad Pitt cheats on mm. Jennifer Aniston with Angelina Jolie. Is that an upgrade? Some would say that's an upgrade. Teach their might own. be a lateral move. 
I mean, to each their own, again. Although, at the time, yeah, Angelina was looking pretty good, I but then say, she got so rail thin, like a right, drug addict. Right up your alley. Like, she should have been in Requiem for a Dream. What are you talking about? That's perfect for you, Adam. That's, that's what you look for. That's true, but I'm a weirdo. <laughs> I didn't know Brad Pitt was like that. She was thinner than he was in Fight Club to show off those abs. Than that. Jesus. My God. <laughs> okay. Uh, Elizabeth, <laughs> yes, we are listening to another edition of the FNA podcast. Before we get into the particulars of today's show, uh, some housekeeping, uh, by the way. Housekeeping? You, yes. FNAPodcast.com. You want a pillow? That is where you're listening to this show. You want me to jack you off? You cannot. Sorry. You can, <laughs> what kind of hotel is this? Also, click on the Amazon banner. On the FNA Podcast website, FNAPodcast.com. Click on the Amazon banner before you shop at Amazon.com. Also, go to RippedApparel.com if you like cool, kooky t-shirts. And you don't have to be ripped to wear them. Get f***ing grunt when I get my swell on at the Just gym. because we are. Yeah, I mean, you can buy a medium shirt if, even if your actual size is a 2X. I wouldn't recommend it because then the logo wouldn't be visible because like the, the shirt would just roll all over your stomach, <laughs> all under your, un, under your breastesis and... Nobody, it, man boobs. It was just turning into a halter top at that point. So I think the one I bought for Petros was you a to flex when you double just said XL. Boobs? I didn't know. I honestly didn't. <laughs> Adam just well, flex. first of all, that that doesn't make sense. I don't have man boobs. Adam Adam said the word man boobs, and as he said it, he flexed his pecs. I just now, I just moved my arm I over. Swear, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Now, maybe, I, they have, maybe they have a mind of their own. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Adam's They're like Tara on. Reed's boobs. They're going in different directions. Of course, hers are fake. Mine are real, and they're spectacular. Sure. And they were made in the gym. <laughs> you can follow Adam. That was in his... stereo. Did you hear that? <laughs> that was a quality was drop. <laughs> Sounds so much better in here. Those My were God. great commercials. They with were. the men glistening. Right. But they just were sprayed down it was like, on the basketball court so by wait. what looked to be like a Windex bottle. <laughs> this hot bod spray. So, now bod started this right and then X jack, like jacked them when it came to like who started the That's entire, a good point. the trend of like, no. okay, spray this and the women will tackle you. Hot bod was way ahead of X okay. and the guy on an island running from all the Amazon women. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's, it's hot bod. Now, and I think Axe put them out of business. That's my thing. Like for some reason, Axe had more staying power. I don't know. They put. I look. I had Bod body spray for a second. Well, Hot Bod used more dudes than girls. The ratio mm. from guys to girls was much different than the girl to guy ratio they have with Did the Axe commercials, where you sprayed the chocolate or the white chocolate or all the different scents they have. I wasn't. I didn't remember the ad campaign. But all right, well that would make all the sense in the world. Well, I used to watch it on a loop. You're <laughs> For all the, actually recorded it on my VHS. For all the dudes, I understand. <laughs> uh, go, go to RipTheParrel.com, type in the promo code FNA, and buy you a nice T-shirt. Yeah. I mentioned the Petros one I got for him. Yeah. It was actually a Soundwave shirt. Mm. Because he was like, I had that one. I know that one. He couldn't give the name, of course. They try to fake it when it comes to car- old cartoons and, well, either that or and just video getting, games. He's just getting old. He can't remember stuff. So. Yeah. <laughs> It's like Dre in uh, track two on Compton. It's like, gee, damn it, I, I forgot I already have it all. I'm getting old. It happens. <laughs> Just bought California. <laughs> the other states ain't far behind them either. California. Either. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, at Follow Anime is where you can find Adam and maybe his pecs. You can find me at KFig1 on Twitter. I do need to take more pictures of myself at the gym. 
And by more, I mean at least once a week. Why? (laughs) I think that would up my followers on Twitter. If I'm trying to be like Tim Cates and a total Twitter whore just to get followers. Well, see, Tim posts pictures of his wife, not himself. That's not fair. That's from the bottom of the deck. It is kind of low. What if I saved, right-clicked, saved Target as some of the pictures he put of his wife and just started posting them on my Twitter account? Is that bad form? You know, I don't know if I recommend that. (laughs) Okay, I won't do that. But pictures of myself and my boobies, that I can do. Yeah. And I should do. That'll work. (laughs) And I like how all Tim does is try to get more followers, but all his tweets are about getting more followers. So you're following Tim to see tweets about him whoring himself out to try to get more followers. Where's the actual content? Very What's the real reason you want to be there on at Tim Cates? Which he has his actual name on there. Every now and then he'll throw in an indignant tweet about the Dodgers. But most yeah. of the time it's just, I need more followers. Here's my wife in shorts driving my car. Tim, you're making us hungry. Well, now that has a different meaning. <laughs> I'm staying away from that one. <laughs> on the back end of the show, because it is Monday. Back end, huh? We have. Thought you were staying away. <laughs> of, the ra- of the radio show of this podcast, the FNA podcast, in the last segment of this podcast. How are you gonna take that out of context, Adam? Can't. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, uh, no sexual double entendres there. Can't do it. That's not sexual. No, there's nothing there for me. We have geek news coming up at the end of the show. What do we have on tap? Yes, science. On tap. No science. Tap that. Oh no, it's not Thursday. We used to do Evelyn tap that Thursday for the lovely news anchor, weather girl. Yeah. Well, she had a kid. I just no, wow. no, no, wow. no. That's not true. She is beautiful. And it's okay to admire a beautiful woman once in a while. And they just all happen to be hot anyways that are on the news. I don't know what the relationship is there. How does that work? Yeah, interesting. Uh, In geek news, because today is the first of the month, you could probably predict what we were going to do in geek news. And that is tell you about everything that has come to Netflix this month. There's a lot of movies that just dropped at 12 a.m. last night, including some black superhero movies. And it's not Black Panther. That came out, I think, last month or the month before. That's on Netflix. Some other black superheroes that came long before Black Panther. Kind of like how Hot Bod came before the Axe commercials. Mm. <laughs> also, and just like Bod got thrown into the scrap heap. And now nobody's talking about Sun Man. Is Sun Man one of them? No. Oh. Blank Man. <laughs> mm. Not close enough. Was that with... Uh, was that a Wayne's brother? It was. In there somewhere? That was uh, Damon Wayne's. Blank my blank and blank you. <laughs> I never saw it. Oh, come was on. Was that an irreverent superhero type thing? Very much so. It Comedic? Was it was hilarious. Okay. A um, superhero who did, wasn't really a hero at all. One of our favorite Mel Brooks movies is coming to Netflix. There, there are many. It's yeah. only one of them. It's <laughs> not Young Frankenstein. Okay. I'll just say that. And a Clint Eastwood classic. Can we play a drop from it? Oftentimes on the show? We do. Okay. We do have a drop, and I'm not playing it from my side. <laughs> right. There's also a movie where the title is basically my life. It's all about me. Oh. It's a biopic. And you'll understand that okay. when we get to it. But yeah, there's probably 35 movies out that just dropped today. We'll tell you what they are and give us our give you our snarky commentary on them. Good tell you if they're good movies or not oh there's one good adam sandler movie what and one bad adams adam sandler movie well there's got to be a, a ratio there normally as i said for every two bad ones there's one good one yeah. so that's normally well, what the ratio is he is the 
white guy Tyler Perry now, mm. <laughs> unfortunately. It's like, we can't trust the white man. But there was a time where Adam Sandler was very humorous. <laughs> yeah, 20 years ago. We have plenty of those drops. It's true. <laughs> but still, one good one, one bad one. So that's coming up later in Netflix or in the uh, Geek News segment where we will have a Netflix blowout. Right now in the FNA podcast, it is first off with our week four NFL six pack. In your NFL six-pack, which we do every Monday, we tell you what was the best win, the worst loss, a moral victory, a moral defeat, your surprise of the week, or as we call it, the what in the world, and your O Troy epic fail of the week. So, Kevin, do you want to start with best win? Yeah, my best win. I remember last week when I said the uh, the Titans need to figure out the, the art of the forward pass and realize it's not 1922 and you can't actually throw the football downfield. After their close win in ugly defensive uh, fashion against the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was almost like Marcus Mariota was just a slightly better version of Vince Young yeah. <laughs> with the Tennessee Titans, the way they were using him. Might as well be back there running the wing team, man. That might work better for you. Mm. Well, Marcus Mariota just slapped me upside the head with the way he performed against the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Mariota, 344 yards passing, two touchdowns, and he could have been better, by the way. He was off, especially in the first half, with a couple of throws. This game uh, wins the overtime. Excellent game. 26-23 was the final score. But the Titans, had they made a couple of more plays, probably could have won this thing really going away. And it was really impressive to see that offense perform the way that they did. And Mike Vrabel being uh, being the gambler, putting on his Jack Del Rio boots, I guess, and going forward on fourth down over and over again at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. Didn't want to play for a tie. Says we're going to win this thing or we're going to lose this thing. Going forward on fourth down and scoring a touchdown. So really impressive win. Albeit at home, but even still, against the defending Super Bowl champions and Carson Wentz, they look pretty damn impressive. Especially, defensively, we know what they can do. What's They've been their, one of the best. What's their record now, the Tennessee Titans? What are they, 3-1 and one now? 3-1. I think you brought this up as well last week. We always forget they made the playoffs sure last did. year. Be- they snuck in. They won a game. By the way, Mario, that was his sixth game-winning drive since week one of last year, not counting the game-winning drive against the Chiefs in that playoff game. And he never throws an INT in the red zone. Has right. never done it so far as a pro. So he's turning himself out, you know, outside of some of his struggles at times. And look, he'd been hurt the first couple of weeks of the season, too. I think that kind of gets lost. And throughout his career, he's kind of had some some nicks here or there and mm-hmm. hasn't been fully 100% for a while. He's had setbacks. Yeah, uh, but played extremely well uh, in a pressure situation. Uh, fourth down, three different times on that final drive in overtime, they faced fourth down and they converted every single time and got a win against a quality opponent. Good for Mariota. Big weekend for Hawaii in general. I'd say so. Where the Rainbow Warriors went into five overtimes with, who was it, San Jose State? And they ended up winning. Plus the Clippers won in Hawaii last night. That's right. (laughs) Which is a little close and personal to me. Hotly contested contest, by the way, between them and those Aussies. There's a certain person before the game talking a lot of trash. Oh, this isn't going to be competitive. It should be pushovers. They're going to run them off the court. (laughs) I mean, I wish I were playing against the NBA team. What a joke. Sydney Kings, yeah. they brought it. That's right. They that look, was a close game with about eight minutes left. They look like the Sacramento. Oh, no, they didn't. They look better than the Sacramento Kings. They would have lost by 30. They might beat them. They have more quality NBA talent with Andrew Bogut on that team. <laughs> uh, sticking with this game, it ties in well with my surprise of the week. Okay. Surprise, motherfucker. I'm surprised that someone lets EDP be around kids with his anger issues. Here he is. Trying to stop the next generation from becoming Eagle fans after yesterday's loss to the Titans in overtime where they converted on a 4th and 15. Yep. 
fourth and fucking 15. Yep. Oh, fuck, man. As I held my baby nephew, okay? Uh oh. I went to go see my fucking sister this past Thursday. I think I told you guys about that. Why are your effing sister? I went to go visit my nephew. I looked that motherfucker right in his goddamn eye. And I told that motherfucker, no bullshit. Do you see what the fuck the goddamn Eagles have put me through? You feel me? Motherfuckers. Oh, my God. Look at this. Hair. Motherfucker. The hairline. The fucking Eagles did this shit to me. You feel me? <laughs> and I told him, I'm like, it's God is my fucking witness. You look me square in my fucking cold, black, dark fucking eyes, nigga. And you tell me I'm fucking bullshitting. I told his ass, do not get into motherfucking football. Don't watch it. And for damn sure, don't be a motherfucking Eagles fan. Because if you become an Eagles fan, my nigga, that's going to be... That's going to be the worst mistake of your motherfucking life. That kind of sums up... <laughs> Every EDP video doesn't right it? there. Doesn't it? <laughs> Something tells me being a Browns fan probably slightly worse than being an Eagle fan. The, the Eagles, by the way, won the Super Bowl last year. Oh, did they? <laughs> Apparently EDP already forgot. Yeah. I just picture him holding a toddler, <laughs> getting up all close. The kid probably can't even speak yet. <laughs> Dada? And the kid's no. not even and the kid's probably not even crying. He's just confused. Like, um <laughs> need some help. Like the kid starts patting him on the shoulder. Like, hey, calm well, down, bro. It'll be okay. Those are words of wisdom to live by. <laughs> Say that? Jeez. So much heartache my, until last year. My God. <laughs> All right, where are we going next? So that was your biggest surprise? That was my biggest surprise. I'll go with my biggest surprise, too. We'll stick on that one a little mm -hmm. bit. Surprise, motherfucker. I'm not surprised that the Baltimore Ravens beat the Steelers. Especially not surprised that they gave up over 450 yards because I've talked about the Steelers' defense and how bad they've been the last five or six seasons under Mike Tomlin. My Super Bowl representative for the second year in a row from the AFC. Yeah, not looking too hot. Hey, the Packers <laughs> won. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a shutout, no less, albeit against Buffalo. But even still. they got to play the Rams in the NFC. <laughs> that's going to be tough. Yeah. Big Ben, uh, Juju on that beat, Antonio Brown. That offense scored 14 points in the first half. Nothing. What in the happened to half. the Big Ben Antonio Brown connection? Where did it go? What? I'll fell off the tracks. Derailed. Done. Second week in a row, they've been shut out in the second half, by the way. Now they dropped 30, what, 27, 35, whatever it was in the first half against Tampa last week. And I'll get to Tampa later on. But so I'm, and I look, I thought the Ravens would be a competitive team this year and would not be surprised if they won the division. I thought they were going to be resurgent. I thought they'd be good this year. Mainly because Joe Flacco has pressure on him, and that's when he plays the best. Yeah. <laughs> when he's comfortable, that's when he sucks. That's when he's elite. And I like the Raven defense, but that Pittsburgh offense had put up in one of the best offenses in the league the first few weeks of the season. Ben Roethlisberger was leading the league in passing. I know because he's on my fantasy team. Not that anybody gives a damn. But that guy was winning games by himself on the on his arm. And uh, this week, just didn't have it, man. Like I said, credit to the Baltimore Raven defense, but I was surprised that this Steeler high-powered offense, even without Le'Veon Bell, was grounded the way that they were for the entire second half of the game. That was a bit of a surprise to me. In Pittsburgh, too, right? Yes, and they couldn't run the ball at all. James Conner, even without Le'Veon Bell, Conner had been fine. He's been excellent these first couple of weeks. They ran for 19 yards total. Yeah, That is the second fewest in franchise history since the merger. Le that was 1970. He's getting the last laugh in. Oh, he is. It's nice, you laughing.
We thought at first they could do without him. <laughs> that offense was still potent enough. And the defense by now should have been fixed. But as you brought up earlier this season, Mike Tomlin was there for that reason. And they have gotten progressively worse since Bill Cower has left. Sure have. And, and also, his side of the ball. who was the old defensive uh, coordinator they had there? Who's now in Tennessee. Yeah. Um, Whose defense is on the rise and playing great. Sure is. Uh, starts with an L. Yeah, former head coach of the Bengals, was a longtime defensive coordinator, Hall of Fame defensive back in Detroit. I know everything about him except his name. I'm blanking on his name at the moment. Son at this moment. of a bitch. Dick LeBeau. Yeah. Dick LeBeau. He got an L in there. Yeah, so there's L in there somewhere. A lot of L's as the head coach of the Bengals. LeBeau but, knows defense. That's right. <laughs> All right, I'll take it back to uh, best win here. Okay. You win. For me, this goes to the evil empire, the cheaters. The avocado ice cream eaters, the dudes who kiss their kids on the lips for an uncomfortably long time. <laughs> I'm talking about Tom Brady and the Patriots, who avoided what would have been their first three-game losing streak since 2002 as they go Dolphin Cove on the Miami Dolphins yesterday, beating them 38-7. to It's also a big win for our friend Cole Wright, who called out the Finns on our show last week. Called them frauds, basically. And big, fat phonies. Mm-hmm. And they look like it, as well as uh, us. We we said, you know, this is not going to hold up with the Patriots and everybody jumping on and saying this is the end and Tom Brady's done and looks washed up. No, 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 no. That's just for sports talk radio blowhards. Right. We told you going to be done in a year. We told you this was coming. Yeah. Now it wasn't a perfect performance from Tommy, who had three touchdowns but also two picks, but he is now twenty eight and one at home in divisional games since the start of the 2007 season because the AFC East, the least, is just that pathetic. You lose. Here's a more damning stat. The Patriots are 43-3 and at home against the AFC East opponent since 2001 when Tom Brady plays the majority of the game. And now they have Josh Gordon, who caught both passes, thrown his way. Julian Edelman is on his way back. And yesterday, even underachiever, Corderell Patterson caught a touchdown. Cordell's good, man. Cordell was good with the Raiders last year when they put him on offense. Now he was a bust because he was a first-round pick by the Vikings some years ago. Yeah. Turned himself into a pretty productive player. So, yeah, he caught a good pass and ran for a touchdown. He I became like the 70th different player to catch a touchdown pass from Tom Brady. You want to know who that ties the other quarterback that has passed it around to 70 different guys for touchdowns? Pop quiz, hot shot. So that'd be somebody. Is he still playing? No. Okay. Not still playing. Okay. Um, Unlike Tom Brady, he jumped around to a lot of different teams, too. Was a high draft pick. Played a long time and bounced around a lot. Long, long time. He may have played till he was 40. Take it easy, Elman. I'm getting old. It's not Favre. It's not Joe Montana. He played for a team that Favre played for, though. So he either played for Green Bay, Minnesota, or the Jets. Um... Randall Cunningham? No, but that's a good guess. Vinny Testaverde. Yeah, he did play for a lot of teams. He also has passed to 70 different guys for touchdowns wow. in the NFL. Tom Brady, though, has done it in one team, one franchise with the Patriots. And so I'm giving them the best win yesterday. Okay, good. Just because they dominated. Sure as hell did. Kicked ass, and I saw it coming.
And so did Cole Wright. Cole more than me. Cole was a lot more bold than me in saying it. My God. He also went after the Chargers. He did. He did not look great yesterday. Squeaked out a win. Well, since you go, since you mentioned the Chargers, I'll go down to them. I'll give them my uh, my moral defeat. I like it. Um, Yo, win. We know oh, wait, you. Wait, that's not. A- we know Adam's, Adam's boyfriend Jimmy Garoppolo was not playing, unfortunately. Uh, but to your point, at well, least it just would have been a loss, <laughs> right? Straight up loss. Uh, Chargers and both of their fans are uh, really, really disappointed with that performance. And I'll give credit to the 49ers for for playing that well. And this happens sometimes too when you don't see a guy for a while. C.J. Beathard uh, played very well for someone who. The team really couldn't game plan too much for. He played a little bit last season, but it was a different dynamic at that point. Uh, but the Charger defense, which is supposed to be a giant strength of this team, especially this season after all the um, resources they put into it, uh, gave up a lot of big plays. They had that big white dude run for like 80 yards for a touchdown, that backup tight end. They kept Gus Bradley around when people thought he might be able to already yeah. parlay his great defensive coordinator prowess into another head coaching job. Now, they don't have Joey Bosa, and that's a big loss. That's yeah, probably their best defensive player uh, on their defensive line. But even still, you should it shouldn't be this close against San Francisco. And you look at the Chargers and you look at their box score, Every single week, pretty much, you say, oh, man, offensively, they're great. They're moving the ball. They're scoring touchdowns. It's like, man, but they bogged down a lot of times for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. They drop passes at times. They get really inept at really op- inopportune times, and it puts them behind the eight ball, and they have to have heroics. Yesterday, they were able to seal the game because uh, their rookie, Derwin James, had a strip sack fumble at the end that they were able to recover. Derwin James might be their best defensive player very soon. <laughs> Should be a Raider right now. Uh, uh, but I digress. <laughs> Actually, well, the at least guy- you got a uh, Khalil Mack. I'm sorry, that's terrible. You know, the guy they they drafted instead of him is actually performing pretty damn well. Uh, Colton Miller. So, but as I said, I digress. I don't want to take away from the Chargers' uh, lackluster performance, and I don't know what's a home game and what's a road game anymore when it comes to them. To be honest, with my you. man, you might want to take away from that. They are on KFI. They are on our station. You are from something like sound Don more Martin like to Bill Clinton, Clinton than Don Martin. <laughs> I don't know how that. <laughs> You saw what Hillary hey, looked like. What was I supposed hey, to do? Why don't you come have a seat right over here, young sugar? Let me tell you a little bit. Got this cigar. I'm going to take it. And, all right. By the way, they missed three more extra points. I have never seen a team for like over the course of like three consecutive seasons with this many kicker issues. It really is amazing. There's three things you get with the Chargers. Uh, underperforming from where their expectations were. Yep. Injuries mm-hmm. and bad kicking. Sure have. <laughs> Those are the staples of Chargers football. It and it transcends eras and years. It doesn't matter. It's unbelievable. Unfreaking believable that. I mean, even if they find themselves in the playoff race down the stretch like they did last season. I'm sure they will. Yeah. I mean, we talk about kicking woes that cost them early last year, games they should have won if they had a, a somewhat decent kicker. Now, they won yesterday despite the fact they missed three extra points. I saw this stat. They've missed eight extra points since week one last year. Now, Eight. I how know, long is the extra point now? 34 yards? I think yards? it's like a 33-yard, 34-yard field yeah. goal, which, again, it's not a given. And even the percentage is not, what, 98.8, whatever it, it was before. It's now like 92 Yes, yeah, it's, it's still relatively high, and nobody misses this high a value, I'll tell you that. Never tell me the odds. Yeah, I mean, my God. Yeah. The next Bad, guy man. up is the next guy down. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> they always choke for the Chargers. Yeah. My moral defeat. You lose. Goes to the Seattle Seahawks, who may have won the battle of the birds with the Cardinals, but they also got the bird yeah. from their own player in Earl Thomas, who, while being carted off the field with a fractured leg, flipped off his sideline, to which Pete Carroll claims to know nothing about. <laughs> Saying, quote, oh, the stadium is so big, right? <laughs> big stadium. I don't know where it was aimed at. 
But if you read Earl's lips, it sure seemed like he mouthed Pia, Suns Hage. Oh, let's say I love you. Who was that women's soccer coach for Team USA that looked just like Pete Carroll? <laughs> <laughs> Pia Sun Hage? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Not sure how to pronounce I, that. I, but I don't. Now, wow. of course, uh, it was a direct shot at the organization and Pete Carroll. The Seahawks didn't pay him. They didn't trade him to a team that would have because the Hawks wanted too high of a price, according to Adam Schefter. And now Earl is likely out for the year. Linebacker Bobby Wagner, Tony Dungy's MVP vote in 2014, said this regarding the contract dispute with Earl Thomas. Quote, if he doesn't play, then he's not a team player. If he does come and he gets hurt, then it's he shouldn't have come. So it's a position that we get put in often, and it's an an unfortunate situation. A no-win situation for some of these players. Le'Veon Bell, who's been holding out, responded to someone else who quoted that Bobby Wagner quote on uh, Instagram and said this, shaking my head, exactly. Get right, bro, at Earl. I'll continue to be the bad guy for all of us. Say goodnight to the bad guy. Mm -hmm. I understand why the team would want to pay Earl Thomas. I understand both sides of it. He's still good, but he's 29. He also talked about retiring early a couple years ago. Two two years ago, the same year that he did come back and broke the same leg that he broke Mm -hmm. yesterday. So you're injury prone. You talked about retiring, so your commitment is kind of wavered. And now this, I mean. It's a tough business. Yeah, man. And they would likely be paying for past performance if they signed him to that new deal. Now safety. Eric Berry, before he had his unfortunate uh, Achilles before opening day last year, signed a giant contract. I think he got $40 million guaranteed. Earl Thomas was going to ask for at least that much. And that's what he got. When they paid him in 2014, they paid him $40 million. Well, no, no, that was a $40 million contract. I forget the guaranteed money. Oh, okay. This is guaranteed money. Sure. This is the stuff we have to talk about now when it comes to these contracts. So $40 million guaranteed is what Eric Berry got. So Earl is probably going to ask for at least 42 45 50 for a safety, to your point, who's uh, going to be age 30 by the time next season starts, which is when he's going to be back on the field for them. That's a tough proposition for them to be in. And he signed that contract in 2014 yeah. to play this season. He knew this would be his last year. He doesn't want to be a lame duck safety out there. I understand it, but I wouldn't pay him either if I was the Seattle Seahawks. Now, I may try to do right by him and get him out of the organization and get what you can. I'm not giving him away either. But yeah, if they they're saying they want a second round pick, possibly that probably is too high. But if you can get a third round pick for Earl Thomas, I might do that. Yeah, I mean they're just holding out. I'm guessing, and especially if Earl Thomas continued to play well. But you already had two picks against Dallas, both of them pretty freaking impressive, mm-hmm. and had a pick the week before that. So even the fact that he hasn't been practicing, which some would say, like, hey, good for him, and others would say, like, well, you kind of want to be with the team and be practicing with them on the field. I kind of understand both sides of that, too. Talking about practice. This is kind of, yeah, uh, this is kind of unprecedented, too, where a guy held out of camp, returned to the team, but didn't practice throughout the week. I can't remember a situation where that's ever happened before, where he just shows up on Sunday, plays, and plays well. Yeah. Hasn't even affected affected his performance at all. The and fact he he's not even in meetings and all that. A quote about that, I'm paraphrasing, but he said basically if I have a headache yeah, I'm in practice, gonna, yeah. I'm not going to because I'm betting on myself on Sundays. That's how I'm going to get this next contract. I can't afford to get hurt during the week. So, unfortunately for him, Ugh. I mean, he got hurt in the course of play, which, I mean, if, you're gonna, if it's going to happen, you'd rather do it in a game. Yeah. But this early in the season, when he was playing this well, 
I mean, who knows what his market value is going to be next year that he's a free agent because now if there was any thought that Seahawks might use the franchise tag on him, they're probably not going to do it now. No. Not knowing that his salary next season is going to be somewhere between $11, $10 million, whatever it is. And Le'Veon Bell's a little bit different only in that he's already been franchise tagged twice. So the tag's been used on him. Eric Barrier, excuse me, Earl Thomas is under contract. To your mm-hmm. point, this is the original contract that he signed. Yeah. Le'Veon he Bell knew this was coming. has been playing on one-year deals the last couple of years. And so his situation and his frustration is a little bit different than Earl Thomas's and a little more understandable of why he still hasn't showed up to the team. Le'Veon may have gained, gained some leverage. Yeah. After uh, the uh, Steelers lost again last night. And it's not like he, and he's losing money, by the way, because the more and more he holds out, the less and less guaranteed money he's going to be able to acquire this season. Yeah. And it's going to affect whatever his franchise tag or his overall salary number will be next year, too. So he realizes the sacrifice he's making by not playing right now. So that tells you how committed he is to it. So I kind of respect that about him. On the other side, Earl Thomas basically had to play because he'd be giving up five hundred right. grand per game. He's getting paid $8 million this season. And he would lose a season, a cured season towards free agency. So he'd essentially, if he hadn't come back by like week 10 or 11 of this year, he basically would have to come back on the exact same contract and wouldn't be a free agent. Earl Thomas was my worst loss, by the way. Oh, okay. Worst loss. For him and the Seahawks both, to be honest with you. They lose a great player. He uses loses an opportunity to put his best tape out there. Now he has four weeks of it, and it looked pretty damn good. But for an entire season, uh, getting back in Seattle and putting himself on the free agent market. So that was my worst loss with Aaron, okay. Earl Thomas. I'll go worst loss here. And that goes to NFL fans that enjoy watching defense. Because if Mitch Trubisky can throw for six touchdowns and almost have a perfect QB rating for a game, then we have gone way too far to help offenses by handcuffing defenses. When points are this easy to come by, it cheapens touchdowns. As exciting as last year's Super Bowl was, it was almost a sure thing that both offenses couldn't be stopped no matter what those top five defenses did. The Patriots and Eagles were top five defenses. Didn't look that way when they faced off against one another. Uh, I want to know that scoring a touchdown is still difficult. So it's valued. It's meaningful. But if Mitch Trubisky can throw it around like he's at Texas Tech with Mike Leach in the Big 12, where they always feel defense is optional, I don't know what's going on. I want all three phases of the game to continue to matter, but special teams... With kickoff rules changing and defenses with players not being able to play physical football is killing my football buzz just a little. Thursday night's game with the Rams and Vikings started off fun, but for, for me it almost got absurd. These are supposed to be two of the better defenses in the league. They can't do anything right now. Uh, so it's also why Khalil Mack isn't as valued like he would have been by the Raiders in a different era maybe. They know offensive players are much more important to have in this league. Uh, to exemplify that, Montana's career QB rating, Joe Montana, his QB rating is 92. That used to be the best QB rating. Now, that's an average QB rating in 2018. And there are 12 quarterbacks ahead of Montana in all-time QB rating. I don't think there's 12 QBs better than Joe Montana, obviously. The oldest one is Kurt Warner, who's right in front of him with a 93 QB rating. The closer you get to the top, the more you see guys who have benefited from playing in a passing league. I think Russell Wilson has the third best QB rating of all time. And scoring is at an all-time high this year with teams averaging 23 points per game. You might have a tougher chance scoring in a brothel than on an NFL field right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> echoing things I've been saying the last couple of years with a lot of these rule changes, and many of them I understand, especially when it comes to player safety. But as we get more and more into this, look, the NBA has changed rules, or they, with the analytics revolution and how much they value the three-point line, higher scores, higher mm-hmm. – uh, that's just – and people are just more adept into that. That's what the fans want to see a lot more. Me, as a purist, I don't. Now, that doesn't mean I want to see Jacksonville, Tennessee, 9-6 to six every single week. One every now and then doesn't hurt. No. But I mean, that's one game in a slate of games. I mean, is 21 17 too much to ask? Is that bad? Does sure. every game have to be 45 to 42 like the Raiders and the Browns the other day? Yeah. Like every game doesn't have to be that way, and that seems to be what it's turning into. It's just strange when you're seeing two of the top defenses like we did on Thursday night just getting shredded right. over and over again. And I know offenses are more sophisticated than ever. But it's you're, mostly because defenses aren't allowed to put their hands on people. You're handcuffed. I mean, it was bad enough when you did it in the secondary, you know, early on when people were accusing the Patriots of beating up the Colts. It was like, okay, well, they have to put a legal contact in. Mm-hmm. Now, what people don't remember is that very next year, the Patriots actually came back and I think they shut them out and beat them even worse than they did the year before when they accused the defensive backs of beating up the Colts. And then the Colts finally overcame them. When they were down 21-3 to 20. in the AFC Championship game, that was a game the Patriots completely choked in that nobody talks about in 06. In Indianapolis. Right before Indy went on to beat the, Bear, the Bears. I think it was a big play. Did Reggie Wayne like have a ball pop out of his hands and then catch it or something or like fumble a that ball? That sounds right. Late in the, on one of their game-winning drives or whatever it was. Tom Brady threw a pick at the very end of that game. Sure did. Sure did. Mm-hmm. To Marlon Jackson, I think it was. The Bucks defense is the epic fail of the week for me when it comes to this game. Okay. Because, yes... Defenses in general have been handcuffed. They do not make it easy whatsoever. But my God, <laughs> a high school quarterback could have made some of these throws that Mitch Krabisky was making on Sunday. And I'm not hating on Mitch. I know I said last week he could have looked better. There were some throws that he missed against Arizona that, you know, any competent quarterback in the second year should be able to make. Looked good at times against the Packers. Yeah, to his credit, he looked excellent. But man, they were like there were Bucks defenders who were not within like eight or nine yards of these Bears receivers on Sunday. You would have to be totally inept to not make some of the throws that Mitch Trubisky made. At least it was two horrible. of those touchdowns were wide yes. open. And many of the ones that weren't touchdowns but just giant gains, I'm telling you, go back and watch the, the highlights. There are not players within five to seven yards of any of these receivers. It was bad. Now, the Bucks' defense is horrible. I think they might be. So, Lovey Smith, what are you? Well, I know where he's at. He's in Illinois. They might want to bring it back. For as bad as this defense has been performing these last couple of weeks. Well, they said they're going to fire everybody, including me, the head coach. <laughs> they might need to. Dirk has been looking so bad, which, by the way, he shouldn't have the job anyway. I said they shouldn't have fired a, a Lovey Smith for Dirk Cutter to begin with. But that's neither here nor there. You're a Lovey guy. Yeah. I was just like, I just. A lot didn't. of love for Lovey. See, I know what they were trying to do. This goes to your theory of why the Atlanta Falcons should have fired Quinn and hired Kyle Shanahan because Shanahan worked with. Matt Ryan for a couple of years. He had that breakout season where he was the MVP. He performed excellently. Their success is more that. due to that great offense. You don't want to lose that momentum. Problem was, Dirk Carter was the OC in Tampa Bay for Jameis' rookie year, where he was okay, but he was nothing special. And they were afraid of losing Dirk because he was getting some college interviews as a head coach, where he had been a college head coach before in the past. They were afraid of losing him, so they fired Lovey, who took them from two wins his first year to six or seven his second year. And they gave the job to Dirk Kreider, who most people will believe had no business being a head coach in the NFL. And now look what happened. Jameis, when he's not getting in his own way because he can't keep his hands to himself, is not performing great on the field either. No touching. And all of a sudden, now look at him. Well, Jameis is reinserted back into the lineup. It's been confirmed this morning. He came in in mop-up duty after Fitzmagic. The Magic ran out 
Everybody saw the bunnies that was hiding behind him, and that wasn't actually in the hat. They figured out his magic. He's off the table. They put him on the bench, and now uh, Jameis is back in the starting lineup. Let's see if it does anything for him, although I highly doubt it. This is actually my moral victory, because like you said, yes, Fitz Magic is over. He looked more like Job than David Copperfield. I made a huge mistake. As he always does. He fools you and lures you into thinking that he can be a franchise quarterback, even at 35, mm-hmm. because he was so good early on, put up historic numbers, back-to-back 400-yard games with four touchdowns. But yeah, the uh, carriage turned back into a pumpkin. But the good thing is for the Bucks, now they get to find out what Jameis Winston can do in a contract year where they have the option of paying him $20 million if they want to to keep him for next year. It's his fifth-year option with like like 80% of players who are first-round picks normally end up getting it picked up just based off potential. Yeah. But, I mean, we've seen enough of Jameis where if you didn't pick it up, I think a lot of people would be like, well, I get it. I do wonder what would happen, where he would go, where he would try to fight for a job, because he's only 24 years of age. He's still very young, and last year, he played pretty decent. He had 19 touchdowns, 11 picks, that QB rating of 92, which is average in this season. He looked like he was progressing and getting a little bit better. The of the eleven picks, there were some really bad turnovers in there. A lot of red zone turnovers. A he lot takes of risks, mistakes at the wrong time of games, and I think that's that's one of his biggest drawbacks. Now, yesterday he came in to a tough situation. It was thirty five. Uh, they were Nothing. down by thirty five points. Yeah, it was thirty five in three, <laughs> that game, and he did throw a pick after throwing a a dead duck, but he got his arm hit. That's that's the reason that was a pick. He ended up going 16 and 20 for 145 yards and two interceptions, but he did have to face the greatest defensive player of all time in Khalil Mack, who John Gruden apparently saw would get another forced fumble. And this is Michael Silver saying this earlier today. John Gruden was like, are you kidding me? He's still playing this great at this high of a level, which puts more pressure on him, of course. So it's out there in the open. Fourth consecutive game, Mac has had a sack fumble. Um, First player since Robert Mathis did that in 2005. And Robert Mathis was a pretty decent pass rusher back in his day. Oh, yeah. He and Dwight Freeney doing Mm -hmm. work on the bookends. The Bucs this week and Jameis Winston are going to Atlanta. And the Falcons are desperate for a victory after losing to a ginger yesterday. The ginger gene is a curse. I really thought about throwing this in at worst loss. The only reason it's I bad. the only reason I didn't is because Atlanta is down three Pro Bowlers on their defense, and that's really hard to replace. Fair. That is really really difficult to replace. So uh, they probably should have gave up thirty plus points. But you figure you're at home and you blew a lead. You'd be able to find a way to hold on to it. To me, the Jameis Winston story is an interesting storyline now, at least, to sure. see what he can do. He's in his fourth season. This, He's going to get the reins back with the offense, an offense that looks like it can be a big play offense at times. have all the weapons you need with the exception of the running back position. When they, and Ronald Jones, finally, the guy they took out of USC out of the second round, got in the game yesterday, his first action. But, I mean, between Mike Evans and between – Deshaun Jackson, they have weapons to be able to throw to. There's no reason why they shouldn't be one of the best offenses. Why Jameis Winston cannot do what Ryan Fitzpatrick had been doing the first couple of weeks of the season. It works out fortunately for them that Ryan Fitzpatrick, his magic, ran out when it did. Because imagine if we were like in week seven and they were five and two and they were playing and they were in contention for a playoff spot. The deeper and deeper you got into the season and the more and more well that Fitzpatrick will be playing, right. the less opportunity you would have to put Jameis in there in there to know exactly what you have. He had to sow some seeds of doubt right. in that Monday night game, was it, against, against Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, where he had three interceptions, had three touchdowns, but also three picks. 
And to your point, their defense has been unbelievably bad. This may be record-setting bad, even with the high-scoring NFL. Yeah. They gave, gave up 40 in Game 1. They gave up 21 in Game 2. Okay, nothing too bad, but Philly hasn't been exactly scoring sure a haven't. lot so far. They gave up 30 in Game 3 and then 48 yesterday to Chicago and Mitchell Trubisky. Yeesh. So Atlanta's going to put 35 up on him, I would I guess. I would think easily. <laughs> Calvin Ridley already has a touchdown. Right. Yeah, right now. <laughs> I haven't even started practicing for it yet. You got any let, I have left? A, I think I'm out. I have a moral victory, and uh, that goes to the Indianapolis Colts. Coming okay. back from a 28-7 deficit against the Houston Texans, we kind of went after Andrew Luck last week. I think rightfully so. You take him out of a game in a Hail Mary situation, saying, hey, maybe his shoulder isn't 100% right yet. Maybe he's not back. That's a pretty damn good throw yesterday, albeit he threw a lame duck on fourth down when it mattered to most. But that's neither here nor there. His overall stats, 460 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. By the way, no picks important. He did lose two fumbles. One of those was a bad snap by the center. When he had pressure in his face literally the entire day. He had, I don't know if he had one or two dropbacks the entire day where there wasn't somebody in his face or at his feet. Well, he's used to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So maybe it shouldn't be a surprise. But he had one beautiful deep ball to T.Y. Hilton that was 50 yards through the air, a perfect strike right down the right sideline. If there are any questions about his arm strength or whether or not he can throw the deep ball on a couple of throws, he also zipped one in on a fourth down in their last drive to force overtime in the fourth quarter. At the very least, he's showing the vestiges of what he used to be and maybe what he can be once he gets his feet back under him and starts playing and hopefully stays upright for longer than two weeks because his offensive line is still trash. Now, the defense is trash, but he can't do anything about that. Uh, Never has been able to. Yeah, uh, but he... He's put up more points. He looks like he's on his way to going back to the kind of player, and he spread the ball around, threw it to nine different receivers on the day. Looked more and more like the Andrew Luck we have been used to seeing. Now, he was at home, uh, but at this point in time, you'll take it however you can get it and wherever you can get it because if you're a Colts fan... You haven't had a chance to see this for a couple of years. The Andrew Luck part of that game was encouraging. However, I forgot. This is my epic fail of the week. The kids are playing their tail off and the coaches are screwing it up. This goes to one of the biggest coaching blunders I've ever seen. Worse than Don Mattingly in the playoffs or Dusty Baker or Pete Carroll running with Marshawn Lynch or whatever P.J. Carlissimo said to Latrell Sprewell. To get himself choked. <laughs> oh, really? Well, whatever PJ said. <laughs> it, it must have been bad. Oh, it had to have been his fault. <laughs> Is Wayne Brady going to have to choke a bitch? The head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, Frank Reich, may have been able to come back against the Oilers in that famous playoff game, but he's never coming back from this. After doing Houston a favor this time around, this was worse, actually, than Chuck Pagano's. Chuck that Pagano's team, fake punt. Whatever that was. Against the Patriots. Yeah where he had a center and a backup quarterback. Like a backup receiver lined up under center, flanked by like a defensive back. The Patriots had like four guys there to the Colts three. They looked confused. They didn't call a timeout. They literally snapped the ball and just got tackled. Okay, that's the worst formation I've ever seen. But this coaching mistake cannot be topped. With the game tied at 34 in OT against the Texans, who had lost eight in a row, by the way, going back to last year, the Colts went for it on fourth and four at their own 43 with 27 seconds left in a tie game. That was the play I was telling you about with the Andrew Luck underthrow. Instead of punting and accepting the tie in a game you had 69 minutes and 33 seconds to play for the win in. At that point... You do not go for it and risk not getting the first and putting the Texans within one play of being in field goal range. That's The Colts don't get it. 
Yeah. And the Texans go to DeAndre Hopkins for 24 yards. They kick a 37-yarder to win it after missing the first attempt right. where Frank works, Reich tried to ice the kicker. It normally works in reverse where like they make it before you ice them, then they miss it afterwards. Yeah. Instead of being 1-2-1, and one, the Colts are now 1-3. The chances of them pulling that off anyways with one timeout left and under 30 seconds from their own 40 on a fourth down play where they were just trying to get to the first down marker. It wasn't some big play that was going to automatically put them into field goal range. The chances were slim. Yeah. I would say live to fight another day, you idiot Frank Reich. And this is different to me than what the uh, what Tennessee Brable Titans did. did. Because of the field position. They would have had to kick a 50-yard field goal right. with Ryan Suckup. He's got suck in his name. <laughs> and, he's, and I looked it up. He's only 54% in his career from 50 yards or more. So the... And in a pressure situation like that, yeah. there's even less of a chance he makes it. That's totally different. Is all the difference in this situation than what right. happened here? There's aggressive and there's stupid. You make calculated risks and decline others all the time during a game. If you're always playing to win, Frank, then just go for it all the time on fourth downs, right? But no, you don't because you can always put the other team then in a better position, mm -hmm. and the risk reward isn't worth it. It was so asinine to see him do that, but it's the NFL and coaches make mistakes all the time. This is one of the worst I've, I've ever seen, but we see clock management all the time, constantly in like and half it, the games and at it least. Never, it doesn't end. Yeah, every single season. I mean, like I say, in half the game, like there's at least a couple of games a week where you say, "Well, that's interesting." It's like <laughs> yeah. I swear, I don't know what huh. radio host said this some years ago. It's like they. Every team should hire a clock management coach. I've been saying it for years. Just hire a clock well, management coach. It's so important. Yeah. Jobs are on the line, and you're screwing it up for like 15 years. It's uh, like just and they do nothing but say down, distance, situation, field position, all that, and that's literally all their job. Frank Reich afterwards said, "We're not playing to tie. We're going for that 10 times out of 10. That play just has to work." That sounds nice until you're nine and seven instead of nine six and one, and you miss the playoffs. Uh, if you're going to make low probability calls and go with your gut decisions all the time, yeah. you're going to end up like Jack Black Del Rio or Black Jack Del Rio. <laughs> right. Right. That, now, actually, most of those actually worked for him. He uh, did. But when they he got lucky in one season yeah. where they went like seven and one in what? One score games? Nine and one. Nine and one? Yeah. Okay. Which is kind of unfreaking believable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you can't count on that. Right. Jack. <laughs> All right, there we go. There's the NFL six-pack for the week. Oh, we got a late add to the show. Petros Papadakis is coming on next to recap what happened in week five of the college football season. We'll talk Stanford losing to Notre Dame. He was on the call for the Ducks in Cal. And some big picture, Pac-12, as well as you know how you get into the playoff and manipulate your schedule like Alabama does every single year. I want to talk about that impressive USC win against Arizona and their quarterback, their running quarterback who was running on one foot. It was hobbled. I want Tate. to talk, talk about that. They still could have won that game. They should have won that game. I thought it was going to turn into Pac-12 after dark. Weren't oh, was USC going up around twenty-four nothing? I think they were up twenty-four. Yeah, it was either twenty-four nothing or twenty-four seven, something like that. Yeah. Before it all went to hell. I'm sure you guys know how Petros feels about USC and their coaching right now. But 
Oh, he'll be very positive about it. I'm I like sure. to rile him up. I'm sure he'll be pretty positive about Clay Helton in the way oh, he's yeah. won these last couple. You of know years. what? I want to ask him about his old buddy Pete Carroll too, mm. <laughs> because the hardball he played with Marsha—oh, it's not Marshawn Lynch, but with Earl Thomas yeah. and what transpired yesterday. No doubt. All right, so we'll get into that with Petros Papadagas coming up in the very next segment. Funny podcast. I'm going to go in there flying, man, and read the sticker like it's supposed to be read because I've had it. FNA Cotton, FNA. Back here on the FNA podcast, it is Kevin Figures and Adam Olson with you. Adam, one of our best friends in the whole world, joins us right now. Yeah, our close personal friend, a BFF of the show, and somebody with sharper college football analysis than the twists at the end of Sharp Objects. It's Petros Papadakis. You heard him on the call for Oregon Cal this past weekend with DeMarco Murray. I always think Petros steals the show, but yeah. He's the best ever. He's the most creative, the most unique, and the most right, like Ronald Reagan. His Petros Papadakis back on the FNA podcast. Follow him at the old P and at Petros and Money Show on Twitter. P, thanks for doing this today. We appreciate it. What's popping with you guys? Nice to hear from you. Happy Monday or whatever day people are listening to the FNA podcast. Yeah, we get a lot of late downloads in the week, but That's we can good. keep this evergreen since, right. you know, college football, what is it, week five coming up or week six? I forget. P, P, let's go back to the game that you called this past weekend between Oregon and Cal. Oregon, of course, coming off that brutal loss at home against Stanford. Did you love the way they responded? Are they still a force to be reckoned with in the Pac-12? Well, I think they're a force to be reckoned with. There's no doubt that the cupboard was not left bare by my TV partner from last year, Mark Elfrich, because <laughs> they have some good players, and they're veteran players, and they were recruited by the previous regime. Mostly Helfrich's people, like Justin Herbert. That quarterback is an absolute freak show. He's 6'6", 240, he can run, and he throws the ball just as well as anybody I've ever seen throw the ball. And I'm not even kidding. Now, I wanted to see him in person before I started freaking out about it because I've heard people freak out about it, but I'm ready to freak out about it. (laughs) So Oregon's good, and that kid's great. He's got one really good receiver. He's got a stable of backs that are little little guys, but they're not, not tough. They go up in there. And they have three offensive linemen that have been starting since they were freshmen with Herbert for Helfrich. And they have a talented defense, Jim Levitt as the coordinator. And the best part about their defense is the front. You know, they're, they're pretty salty. So I believe in Oregon. I don't know if they're as good as Washington. Obviously, we saw Stanford was a more poised football team down the stretch. They should have won that game. Everybody knows that. But they're behind the eight ball with Stanford. Stanford lost this weekend, but they didn't lose a conference game. So... The North is pretty complex now because Oregon is involved, and they're so damn talented at the quarterback position. But I still like Washington or Stanford the best. You mentioned Stanford losing uh, out South Bend uh, to Notre Dame. Kept it close in the first half and the second half and kind of got away from them. On Just a macro view from the Pac-12 conference as a whole, do you think Stanford's loss to Notre Dame and then, of course, going back to Washington's loss against Auburn – hurts the Pac-12's chances of still having a shot of getting into the uh, national playoff at the end of the season. Well, Washington's loss is a little different because Stanford got a beat up there down the stretch. Right. And Stanford, in a macro view, maybe shouldn't be playing back-to-back road games ever. Mm. 
like that. Uh, but how much do you enjoy tradition? Do you like the fact that Stanford plays Notre Dame every year, either here or there, and USC does it too? Now, that doesn't help the Pac-12 conference. It's great for college football. It's something I enjoy. But if you're trying to get into the playoff at the end of the year, you know, playing Notre Dame and losing can hurt you. Uh, it can also help if you don't lose that bad. It helped Notre Dame on the flip side. You know, Charlie Weiss got a 10-year deal off of almost beating USC when he was uh, first at Notre Dame. Bush push. So, yeah, so uh, it's a little trickier than just cut and dry. But the macro view to me, Kevin, is that why Stanford playing back to, you know, they have to go to Oregon and, and literally dig deep to find it. And then you have to go to South Bend the very next week. And that is yeah. that is absolutely brutal. And we, we would never have Alabama doing that or Ohio State doing that or Michigan or anybody like that. So or Oklahoma or any of these teams. So that's the question the Pac twelve people really need to ask themselves. It doesn't kill Stanford's chances for the playoffs, just like the loss to Auburn doesn't kill them. But it certainly doesn't help, and it doesn't help the perception on the West Coast because you know USC ain't going to beat Notre Dame at the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Barely got by uh, Arizona this week. But what you brought up an excellent point, though, P, because the, the Pac-12, it seems of the major conferences, seems to challenge itself a lot more uh, with a lot more high-profile games, road games, seemingly because it has to because it doesn't get the respect nationally, so it feels it has to go out and earn it. You mentioned teams like Alabama or teams like Ohio State, and maybe Ohio State does it a little bit more, but more nationally known programs don't feel the need to have to challenge themselves with tougher games out of conference. So the benefit of the doubt they've already been given, they get it even more so because they don't challenge themselves with bigger opponents. Yet the Pac-12 goes out, and it doesn't seem like they get the credit for losing with some more quality opponents, even though they put themselves out there on a limb and giving themselves a chance to lose. Doesn't that seem to be a little bit hypocritical in some sense? For who? Well, just na- nationally speaking, the Pac-12 should be able to get more respect for the fact that they actually challenge themselves and have better non-conference schedules as opposed to Alabama SEC schools who don't challenge themselves They're more. They're just not on TV, Kevin. They're just, they, if they play late, the highlights don't run all day. They sleep on the West Coast. And that's true. They really do. And it's always going to be that way, but it doesn't help if you can't go win the game head-to-head. True. Like, you're, you're absolutely right. Everything you said was, was absolutely right. But, and the, the bias is real. I don't think anybody would tell you that it's not. But at the same time, when Alabama, who is the gold standard, they take care of themselves. They play a cupcake in November. They, they manipulate medical red shirts. They, the SEC does all kinds of things. But when they get in head-to-head matchups, they win. And that justifies the position of the people on the East Coast. Now, unless it's USC. USC dazzles people. They're old people that used to watch football and talk to their kids about football when there was only one or two or three games on a weekend. They watched USC play at the Coliseum, and it was palm trees in Hollywood, and it has its own draw. But... Oregon, yeah, they're manufactured. It's kind of a Nike ESPN deal. It's sort of force-fed to people. Stanford doesn't have a fan base. Washington is so far up there. They might as well be, I mean, I love Seattle more than anybody, but it might as well be Canada to the people on the East Coast. 
It, really? So where where so where are we? You know, Cal is an elite public school, not really a football place. I mean, it's just not the same vibe. We have a different lifestyle, and our football is different. Now, our scheduling can can improve. That doesn't mean we can't tweak that. Just because we have an old model like Dodger Stadium doesn't mean we can't do some renovations. And they should be tweaking the schedule. We we shouldn't send teams on a Friday night and then play on the road the next Saturday late at night, and then a night at nighttime again. I mean, that kind of stuff has to be tweaked and aggregated, as Matt would say, by experts and weirdos so the whole thing is not slanted against the conference. And they probably need a much better TV deal if you ask people in retrospect. Maybe they need new leadership. But there are things they can do. But a lot of the stuff, like USC has never played an FCS opponent. That's something I'm proud of. Mm-hmm. You know, same with UCLA. Washington just started doing it like five years ago. You know, Stanford does play Notre Dame every year. SC does play Notre Dame every year. Stuff like that, I'm proud of. I don't think should change. And Washington doesn't doesn't schedule uh, in a cowardly fashion. And And not everybody on the East Coast does now. They do a lot better than they used to because there's money in high-profile games in the early part of the season for everybody. Yeah, but, but they do. I mean, Washington will play a home-and-home. Home. I mean, was, Alabama hasn't played a true road game in how many years? No, the and you know what? Florida uh, hasn't either. Until somebody, you know, no one no one dings the SEC, Kevin, in the, in the playoff, the fact that they play a cupcake in November and one less conference game. Right. Nobody, they don't, there's no penalty for that. That's not considered by the committee when they consider it against a team that didn't do that. Mm -hmm. That's not part of their consideration. I have asked the committee in private conversations that we're privy to with uh, the analysts. You know, they do conference calls and you can ask them questions. You talked to Condoleezza Rice? Uh, she wasn't on there. It was okay. the head of the committee. Pat Hayden? <laughs> no, he wasn't on there. Was either. it Jeff Long or the guy that replaced him? It was... Uh, or are you even at liberty to say? No, I'm at liberty. I okay. just forget. Okay. But I, I remember asking that, that exact question, and it is not considered, point wow. blank. So if it's not considered, there's your answer. You know, Alabama's not going to do anything different that's not hurting them. And frankly, they've built a great model for themselves to be successful. And maybe that's on us to do a little bit more of on the West Coast. Yeah. But I think we can do that without losing our identity. And it doesn't help that they won five of the last ten championships and the Pac-12 is coming off a one-and-eight bowl season. It's Petros Papadakis joining us here on the FNA Podcast. P, after UCLA lost to Oklahoma, we all thought there was still some progress there. They played better than they did game one against Cincinnati. But now they're 0-4. They lose to Colorado. Are they regressing? Are things getting worse for Chip Kelly right now? I don't, yeah, I don't. You know, I, I don't see good body language. It's uh, it's concerning. The whole thing is is kind of weird, and it doesn't seem to bother Chip. And I always go into it like, hey, Chip, Chip knows what he's doing. <laughs> but I'm with you. But but more and more, as we watch uh, as we watch the season unfold. 
They have a very tough schedule. A lot of teams that maybe we thought weren't going to be very good are pretty darn solid, Cincinnati included, and absolutely Colorado. And here comes Washington, mm -hmm. and they don't F around. <laughs> not not with their front seven and their back. I mean, they're, they're front seven and back seven, with the linebackers being part of both, are disgusting. I mean, they're great. They let them play with 14 guys? What the hell? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why. <laughs> uh, but I, And they have a great run game, and they're going to be able to run the football. And Chip is you know, suspending people, moving people around. I, I think maybe even he should be more dramatic, put guys from offense on defense, put guys from defense on offense. I mean, really muck it up. That's what Bob Stoops did when he came to Oklahoma, and I think like nine or ten months later, they won a national, the first BCS title. Is that what it is, P? At this point, just you know, throw a bunch of stuff at the board and see what sticks because what's been I what mean, you're doing what now isn't working. Doing. Yeah, I, I haven't agreed with it the whole time because they've been in some of these games, but at this point, and DTR is not accurate. Yeah, you know, he is not playing well. And he's a true freshman, you know, that's okay. And if Chip wants to ride and grow with the guy, then it's going to be painful like this. I'm not, I don't want to say they're not playing to win games, but they're certainly playing developmental football. And how, I mean, I, I guess this isn't a fair question because, I mean, Chip Kelly's obviously one of the great college coaches of all time. I mean, does this affect how long his leash is if they no. happen to bottom out and win one game this year? No, two games I think that's why you see him doing what he's doing. Because he's secure in his position. There is no, yeah, I've never met anybody more secure with themselves than Chip Kelly. Uh, P, you mentioned uh, Jalen McCleskey and just the transfer rule in general in college football a little bit uh, with Matt uh, last week on your show, and then it came to a head a little bit this weekend when uh, Clemson hosted Syracuse, and that came down to the wire because their star freshman quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, went out with a concussion. And well, of the course, other guy played better anyway. He did. And uh, Kelly Bryan, who's transferring out because he was not he was going to lose his starting job uh, to Trevor Lawrence, uh, is now out of the program. What are just your general thoughts on this transfer rule and I guess how players have been using it so far this part of the season. You mentioned McCleskey has been a contributor to Oklahoma State the last couple of seasons, wasn't happy with his production these first couple of games. He decides to leave, and Kelly Bryant, who maybe it's more understandable, was a senior that took them to the playoff last year, and he loses his job and decides to transfer out as well. Well, I mean, I, I don't mind players having power. I, I don't mind. The coaches move around and do whatever they do. They pull you out of your 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 high school, they talk to your parents and, and basically your parents give you to some football program. I, I don't mind the players being able to move around. I don't, I don't really agree with the Jalen McCleskey situation. I mean, I would never have quit on my football team, I don't think. I mean, except I did when I was a cow, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I was very young. Uh, but when I became a, 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 an upperclassman or a veteran, that, that kind of thing I wouldn't even have thought about it. But then again, I wasn't playing college football to be in the NFL. You know, I had a whole different kind of vibe. So if these guys are trying to have football be their living, I don't I don't really begrudge it. And if that leaves a football team high and dry, it's like, hey, you know, recruit, move a guy. It's college football. It's an adventure. Go for it. <laughs>
<laughs> Petros, is this Notre Dame team, are they possibly better than the team that went to the national championship and got smashed by Alabama? Is this Brian Kelly's most talented team now having beat Michigan and Stanford? Stanford handfully. Yeah, handily. because uh, because they don't need to be exquisite at the quarterback position to, to keep doing it and to beat people, to beat people and beat really good, sound football teams because they play great defense and it doesn't matter if it's uh, Ian Book or, or Wimbush. They they know exactly what they're doing offensively. And in a similar way with the system, like Ohio State with Urban Meyer's team, the way they can just start that thing rolling and knock knock people over and go forward. And I think what Brian Kelly's done at Notre Dame, love him or hate him, is a great model of how to be modern at a an elite university with an identity and still be physical. Yeah, Bill Callahan. And stay true to that identity. And what about Clay Helton? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's what we're looking at with USC. So a pile. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that's the I think that's kind of more of the bottom line uh, with with Notre Dame. It, it it it's better when it doesn't matter who your quarterback is, because I mean you look at Alabama and Nick Saban. He's not stupid. He's a great coach, and that Tua is so talented, and Nick knew it, but he also knew that maybe maybe that's not what the football team needed because they had so much success just being themselves without doing things because this one player is really special. There's only a few programs in the world that can afford to do that, and uh, Alabama's one of them. And it, they maintain their identity now, even though two has finally made the move to be the quarterback. So it's doable. You just have to have a great coach to do it. Hey, you mentioned Clay Helton there a second ago. I mentioned USC getting the uh, 24 to 20 win over Arizona. Pac 12 after the dark almost got him. Is that the worst win that USC has had in recent memory, just considering how that game played out? They ran the ball better, which is what they talked about they needed to do, but a lot of penalties, I believe second most uh, ever for, for a USC football team, the most since they had that, that crazy game back in 07 uh, against uh, Washington when they got penalized left and right. But, I mean, is this one of the worst wins that you can remember USC having in its history? Well, uh, you know, to be honest, they compared this one to a lot of the games that I played in back in the Paul Hackett oh. era. So you're an authority on this. <laughs> Basically, I could tell you exactly, because okay. we would win games like this kind of in spite of ourselves mm. just because we were more talented than our opponent, and it was always, almost always in conference. So. uh yeah, I mean, yeah, I recognize that really well. Uh, it's it's it looks like my football team out there, mm. and it's it's indicative of what's going on at USC. I don't think there's any. You can't just turn around one week because you can't run the ball at Texas and and say that you're a hard ass and tell everybody you're a hard ass and use a fullback for one drive and think everything's okay, or beat Washington State and act like you beat Alabama. Huh. Uh, you know that that's that's. That's the type of football team they have. Hey, beat it, this. It's, it is going to be an absolute circus all year long. And I don't see an end to it. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, don't, 
I don't really see a direction offensively. I, I saw Aka Cedric Ware had a good game, but yeah. uh, but Arizona's been giving up a lot of yards on the ground. So uh, it's uh, it's troubling, I think, if you're somebody that, that cares about the development of the football team because 18 accepted penalties, 20 penalties in the game, yeah. that's, that's pretty mind-boggling stuff. You know, having a lead and not protecting the football in the fourth quarter with your backs because you're not often in that situation or maybe you don't practice the situation well or maybe it's not emphasized or maybe the kids just made a mistake. I mean, that's the thing about UCLA, too. It's like you never know what's being said behind closed doors or what the coaches are actually trying to accomplish. But when it's not being accomplished or executed, it can look very ugly, and there's a number of reasons as to why that no one will really ever know because it's from – a bunch of different perspectives you know there's a lot of guys out there and then there's a bunch of guys coaching and perceiving the whole stupid thing so i can't tell you what's going on in their building but whatever they're doing isn't working whoever was the color commentator uh saturday night on the usc i think it was rod gilmore Gilmore. it seemed like he was echoing what you've been saying for years about the frustration of them not being physical in the trenches and that's what the USC alum has the biggest problem with. But I want to ask you this, Petros, because you covered the Pete Carroll era accurately and fairly. In fact, I think when it ended, you said it could have been even better, actually. Mm. They could have dominated even more. But now he's been in Seattle. He's had success. But this situation with Earl Thomas, we talked about it last segment. He flips off the sideline, and we all suppose that's directed at Pete Carroll But there's another side to Pete, aside from the rah-rah players coach, right? He's very cutthroat, and that seems to be bleeding into his NFL tenure now, too. I just want to get your thoughts on that because you're so close to USC and you know Pete Carroll so well. Well, that's always been the the talk about Pete is, you know, he does a great job putting on a show for everybody, but in real life he's very cutthroat and there's people he cares for, there's people he doesn't, and he knows how to he knows how to get after people if he wants to. And he, he's also very stubborn and doesn't very competitive. And look, you don't get, you think urban Myers really that great of a guy. I mean, huh, you read right. all this stuff, yeah. you know, <laughs> or even John Wooden, you know, could be tough yeah, on his players, but very affable in front of the camera. He but... turned a blind eye to a lot of the stuff back yeah. in the day. You know, there's always people. That, hey, Mike that Riley have... though, the real what? deal. That's true. Good point. Mike Riley. Yeah. One of the good guys. Yeah. <laughs> Pete Carroll wasn't offering uh, Petro's orange soda when they went to, sat down for a meeting. Never. That's right. It was like Cherry 7-Up, right? It was very rare. <laughs> no, it's just always about Pete. You know, look at me throw the football. Yeah. Look at my cool-looking face. Mm. But <laughs> I think even at the college level, after a while, you see enough to stop believing. Yeah. And And look, every coach has a shelf life. Every single coach. And I think Pete's reached his there too now. Because at a certain point, you start losing people. Pete's strength is having guys compete and get after it and play defense and pull for each other. And then he always falls in love with some young quarterback like it's his girlfriend and screws it all up. Won't hand it off to Marshawn Lynch. (laughs) Right. It happened with Russell Wilson. It really happened with Matt Barkley at SC uh, his senior year or his freshman, freshman year. year. Yeah. yeah. That ran Pete out of the pac 12. So, I mean, I don't feel bad for him. 
Do you think there's any credence to the rumors that he could be uh, back on the USC sidelines? At I some bet point? he'll try. Yeah. But I hope there's a lot of people that remember that it was because of Pete, the the four years or whatever that he dragged his feet during the Reggie Bush mm-hmm. investigation. And the fact that he was more powerful than anybody at SC and threatened people at USC that if they cooperated with the NCAA, he would quit. If if nobody remembers that, it would be a real travesty because it was Pete that caused all this in the first place. He dragged his feet for four years and caused the sanctions. He had his lieutenants hired and promoted at USC and Kiffin and Sark, two people that drained the program and led to the Clay Helton era. And I don't think anybody should forget that. I won't let them if I'm still talking, but yeah, they might do it. I mean, they hired Lane Kiffin to be the head coach, for God's sake. That's true. And they, then they hired Steve Sarkeesian order, over Chris Peterson. Now, I mean, do, you, your, do you think – What's your confidence level? That's true. I mean, do you think Swan being in that chair who didn't have much of a connection from that standpoint, it makes it any different, or is it still USC all under the same I don't umbrella? know what Swan does in that chair. Yeah. I don't know if he has the power to make the hire or mm. if he's just a guy in a polo that raises money. I don't. I, I, I wouldn't let any of the famous guys you hired to be the AD make any more hires after what happened with Pat Hayden and now the presidency of the university is in flux. Right. So I have no idea. None. He is Petros Papadakis, one of the good guys, and we're glad he's in our corner. He's the best college football analyst in all the lands, and of course, he's one of the most, I say he's the one of the top 10 most talented people in any field because of his creativity, his wit. Nobody can do it like he can. Jesus. Normally, you hear him on the Petros and Money Show, but the Dodgers got them flexed right out today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they will be back tomorrow. We're on. They're on after the game. Yeah, PMS will be on after. Oh, the, F me, man. Yeah, after the Dodgers. <laughs> They're making you work? <laughs> after the Dodgers uh, play in, what is it, 163rd? It's confusing with this thing. They're 163rd game for the NOS title against the Rockies. I thought PMS they were going three-hour Dodger talk afterwards. <laughs> All right, let me rest before my one-hour show. All right. All right, lay your body down. Yeah, we'll let Pete take his, uh, take his siesta. Thanks so much, brother. We appreciate you joining us, especially on short notice. As Good night. Always. Bye, P. Fight on, fellas. <laughs> yeah, yes, fight on. <laughs> we love him. He's Petros Papadakis. But coming up next, something we also like to do on this show at the start of every month. Normally, we try to do it a couple days before, so we tell you what movies are leaving, so you have a chance to still watch them. But not today. It's already October 1st. We're telling you about everything that's coming to Netflix. That's next on the FNA Podcast. Come on, buddy. We're not out of this yet. F-N-A, 949-478-1197 is the number to leave a voicemail for the show, by the way. I was thinking about being very giving again this week. You're thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm contemplating whether or not to give away another Spider-Man PS4 game. Okay. So I feel like we got a spike on the podcast because of that. Maybe. Okay. It's hard to know. Need a bigger sample size. So, give out another Thursday. Give out another game on Thursday. We're giving away Spider-Man. There you go. For PS4. Nice. It does look pretty sweet. If I had a PS4, I would have this Looks game. It's better than some of the damn Spider-Man movies that come out the last couple of years. I'll say that. Most of them. 949-478-1197 is the number to call. If you are deemed to have the best voicemail of this week, you will be the winner of said Spider-Man video game. And we Looks do have better than Venom. Yeah, and we do have one video game, one video game to get to. Uh, we have one voicemail to get to. Oh, 
think Venom looks all that terrible, personally. But you know. I'm upset. I'm not. You can't even have Venom without Spider-Man. It doesn't even make well, sense. Obviously, for me, if I just get over that part of it, which is very, very egregious, okay. and just look at the film in and of itself, You're right. who's in it and how it looks and all that, it doesn't look that bad. I normally don't care about sticking to the source material. No. Yeah, because you're if a fan you of put fan your fiction own, and all that stuff. Put your own twist on it. It's all fan fiction, really. <laughs> it's all different interpretations of original comics that now have had reboots within the comics unless the and guy parallel who, universes. Unless the guy who's probably like 150 years old who actually created it comes back and actually is doing it, then yeah, it's a fan fiction. It's a How dare original you say Stan Lee is 150 years old? <laughs> I don't know if you pick up on that or not. <laughs> I don't know, was Spider-Man actually his character? Because you know all these Marvel, he doesn't create all of them. No. But he's a conjunction of all of it. So like they'll yeah, he's like the watcher. It's like based he's the overseer. On, yeah, it's like yeah, based on the character created by Joe Schmo. I think he know? did a lot of them. Oh, he did. He but, probably did like seventy percent of them. And it's not my strong suit, anyways. I didn't read a lot of comics. I collected basketball cards and football cards when I was younger. That was my thing. And Pogs for a, a year so because a it was cool a fad. Nerd. So that made you a cool. So you weren't like a nerdy nerd who actually did the comic books. You were a cool nerd because it was sports around it. I, I was interested though. Sports in, came out in '83. In comics, I just didn't have them i didn't grow up with them some some of my friends did and i would come over to their house and spend the night and do the treehouse sandlot thing and read some comics but i never went through an entire series or anything like that until probably i was 20 and then i wanted to get a little more into some of the bigger storylines so i read the secret wars which was an all-out blow superhero blowout. I thought you were going to say, then I turned 20 and I got into girls, so I stopped paying attention to... <laughs> now, by 20, <laughs> I was already annoyed with girls. Yo, she <laughs> I was already disillusioned. But I also got the Infinity Gauntlet series, which now has turned into a storyline, obviously, that Marvel Cinematic Universe is based around. So I kind of lucked out there. But you're. Uh, but I'm thing, not hardcore comic guy, right? Obviously. So you guys actually had like actual treehouse that we would see depicted in TVs. I had a treehouse because that was outside of my scope. In the hood, we didn't have that because we tried to build something in the tree, like the squirrels would throw acorns at you and try to bite your bite your d off and all that. We weren't messing with that. Well, you have to do some deforestation there. Yeah, so we ain't got that. <laughs> we ain't got that kind of money. We ain't got that kind of time. Yeah, I uh, yeah, white people. It's almost a rite of passage to have a treehouse. Tree <laughs> they all have like campouts, like like little camps in the back and like tents in the backyard. Oh, we do the camp out overnight sleepovers. We do that all the time. Y'all, that was sing, every summer in NorCal. Sing songs by a bonfire. Yeah, kumbaya. Yeah. <laughs> this is we just go all on the stuff. snipe hunts. Yeah, this is all the stuff I saw white kids doing like it was depicted on TV. So I just assumed that's what all y'all did. Yeah, we're pretty much stereotypes of uh, all the white people on TV. All right, I'm just glad you could confirm that for me, Adam. I just want to make sure we're on the up and up on that. Good it, for that. It's just like home improvement, <laughs> pretty much. Hey, y'all had Heidi coming around like that, though? Oh, Heidi or... Did she, did she help y'all? Pam Anderson was the first one. What was her name? Lisa? Lisa. Did they... Not, not like I know or anything. <laughs> you nailed that pretty quick. We couldn't get Dick LeBeau earlier, <laughs> but Lisa... <laughs> Pamela Lee Anderson's first role, I think, on TV, which she was in like 10 episodes, maybe, hey, you know, of Home some Improvement. Some things are more on the forefront of the mind than others, Adam. I don't know what to tell you, man. Yeah, I'll say. Hello, All right. Oh, speaking of Home Improvement, was that ever on Netflix before? It might have been. Oh. Maybe Hulu bought it up when they got Seinfeld. I don't know. Probably. All right. 
We got a, a Netflix reveal. And Geekness. Nerds. 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 What's his a nerd? Lone Gunman. Playing D&D tonight. You want to come? Geekness. What's up, guys? Geekness World. Don't be jealous that I've been chatting online with babes all day. Just keep your power gloves off for a pal. Race yourselves, gentlemen. So it's October 1st. Yes, the first of the month. The white people can sing this song Uh, in the treehouse. I'm sure you all did. Play have it. we used this before? We have not. Well, great. rarely ever is it actually the first of the month that we're recording this when we actually do this segment. So it's pretty apt. We have to break out Bone Thugs for this one. Now we always have to record on the first of a month. I don't know I don't if that's care necessarily if it's Sunday. true. You know what? <laughs> have fun with that one, man. <laughs> I might this, call and leave a voice message on myself. Art of War, is it? I think so. Is it? I think so. Okay. This too? With Thug Love? With Tupac and the Thug, gunshots. I remember. So Thug Love, they did a uh, a bastardized like a parody of that on um, the Boondocks, and they had a guy named Thug Nificent and made a song called Thug in Love, but he was gay, and it was supposed to be taboo, and it was all, you know. No, that was Gangsta Licious. Thug Nificent was a different rapper on there. Gangsta Licious was his name. Okay. His name was Gangsta Licious. I, I love Bone Thugs. I can't tell you who it was based on, but yeah, you can use your imagination to figure out which. It was based on a real life rapper. I even like the cowboy song they have. What's that? They made a song to the Cowboys. I don't know. I don't know if I remember that one. It's got lazy. It's okay. got crazy. Are they not all? all it's on got it? a girl on it. Oh, how did the chorus go? Thug Cowboy. It's something like that. But it's better. It wasn't a rhymestone cowboy remake, was it? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm about to say. <laughs> It wasn't some Sons of the Pioneer type oh, thing. Ghetto Cowboy? Ghetto Cowboy. Wow. Ghetto Cowboy. Yeah. My sister liked that song. Mm. So white people really like that uh, song. Apparently so. White girls be yeah, singing that I'm song. Sure. <laughs> All right. Movies came out to Netflix. New movies at the first of the month. Last night at 12 a.m. I don't know if they do it off of East Coast time or West oh, Coast. They probably do everything East Coast. Yeah. Bastards. More bias. Yeah. Uh, the first one will go in alphabetical order. Okay. It came out was 2001's... A Space Odyssey? No. Oh. I thought it was No monolith. Oh, 2001's from the yeah. year 2001, not actually 2001. Actually 2001 A Space Odyssey, which isn't bad. Is Angel Eyes with okay. Jennifer Lopez. Not as good as the Stanley Kubrick 2001 film. Mm. Uh, Jennifer Lopez, whose love don't cost a thing, but that ass was insured for a rumored... $27 million back in 1999. I mean... Because without it, she's worthless, right? I would never say that, but apparently she thinks that. <laughs> She'd still be pretty without that booty, in my opinion. <laughs> still, It all is good now. But the plot for Angel Eyes... A-Rod is winning. ...is, quote, A mystery man is drawn to a feisty female police officer, and an unusual relationship ensues. It's not everything is as it seems. That man... It's Jim Caviezel, the Jesus. Jesus. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, if you, if you want to watch a good Jennifer Lopez movie, I recommend The Cell or Out of Sight. Out of Sight with, was good. With the clune dog. Wow. Or just watch that episode of South Park with Cartman, pretending to be Jennifer Lopez and yeah. talking about taco-flavored kisses. <laughs> the yeah. next two movies that dropped. Do you have any other good Jim Caviezel movies? Because that's the only one that I knew that he was in Frequency. Was okay. With uh, Passion of the Christ is not called Jesus, by the way. I, you know, I've never seen that movie. <laughs> Do you have some sort of religious reason as to why? No. In fact, our youth group went 
to a screening of it, and for some reason I missed it. And I just missed the boat, and it's not because of what Mel Gibson said, which is heinous, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I love him as a director, not as a person, and I should have seen it, but I think I missed my time. <laughs> you missed your time. I might have it on VHS if you want it. You know, I've read the Bible. I know oh, what happens. Just, you just don't want to see Jesus brutalized and beaten and spat on. Heard it's pretty gory. I understand. It was extremely gory. Yeah. It got a rated R rating, right? Yeah. yeah. It was real, Adam. All right? This isn't some fake fairy tale type stuff. This really happened. I don't want to watch that spear going into his side mm-hmm. and the thorns on his okay. head and all that. I'm going to start crying, huh? <laughs> I get it. Uh, Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking has- of crying, yeah. He's done some sacrilegious stuff with his little Nicky movie. (laughs) He used to be pretty funny. And one of these movies is funny. One is not. The first one is Anger Management, which was very disappointing for me. Jack Nicholson should have been awesome. Came out in maybe 2004. So it was right as we were starting to find out that Adam Sandler was going downhill. But this next one, well, we have sound from this movie. Do you want to guess what it is? Uh, Big Daddy. Not Big Daddy, <laughs> but that's a good call. With he and the kid peeing on the wall outside, I don't know if it was a diner or whatever it was but on the movie poster. I did not like Big Daddy, by the way. It wasn't terrible. Yeah. It wasn't as funny. No. It was more kind of heartfelt. Yeah, yeah. Um, Happy Gilmore? That is correct. Good call. Oh, wait. Actually, it's Billy Madison, my best. Ah, damn it. <laughs> you want to try again? <laughs> Which has one of the greatest lines in the history of cinema. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. So you get the wide spectrum of Adam Sandler movies. Mm-hmm. With these two coming to Netflix, I would recommend Billy Madison. Chris Farley steals the show. Yep. Uh, who else is in there? Steve Buscemi putting on lipstick. Yeah, he's like some <laughs> weird creeper. <laughs> Adam Sandler calls to apologize for making fun of him back in the day. He's like, oh, no big deal. You know, I never even thought about it. And then crosses he crosses him on, his, his kill list or whatever he has. <laughs> and then, of course, you also get Norm MacDonald. Oh, one of the best. Yeah. I love Norm. Uh, next is a movie called Black Dynamite, which I think is a twist <laughs> on black exploitation films. It absolutely is. They made a cartoon based off of this movie, as a matter of fact. That's been I on saw our, that. It's been on Comedy Central for a while. Have you seen this movie? Uh, you know, I have not seen the movie, but I watched the cartoon, crazy enough. My white friends vouch for it, <laughs> whatever oh, that it. means. But uh, it stars the greatest African-American action star of the 70s, and then his brother is killed by the man, and it's up for him is. to yeah. find justice. Of course. Sounds pretty sweet. <laughs> Here's a, that, a, that a black man was killed by the man? No, not, not that part. Oh, the trying. revenge part of it. I'm trying to make sure, Adam. I'm trying to make sure where you're coming from. Come on. You up in there. Up in there in your treehouse with your little white friends. I just want to make sure I know what y'all talking about. <laughs> no girls allowed. <laughs> no, please, come up if you want. <laughs> we beg of you. Uh, here's some black superhero films. Way before the Black Panther came to Netflix. Blade 1 and 2 with Wesley Snipes. Pass. Pass? Yeah, I'm not a fan. You don't like it? Pass Neither is a of man. I like Wesley. I just wasn't a fan of these movies. Okay. It's kind of, they're kind of divisive. I think they're okay. Guillermo del Toro did the second one. 
Uh, they're fun, mm. but not great movies. Yeah, whatever. It's com- comic book, right? It is. Yeah, they blade that blades Marvel. I did like this line from it. Some mother effers are always trying to ice skate uphill. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, the Mel Brooks classic, Blazing Saddles. One of the best. Is on Netflix right now. And this guy is basically a superhero. Levon <laughs> <laughs> Little or Mel Brooks? Or all of them? Or Gene Wilder? All of them. Yeah. They'd be a great trio. Specifically, this line that is a staple on this show and has been for many years, and David Magdaleno tries to sneak it into on-air broadcast sometimes. Hey, where are the white women at? Where are they at? It's a good question, Adam. <laughs> been searching. Not in my treehouse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know where they are. They're all over this next movie. Empire Records. Mm. That's out. Doesn't have one black person in it. Unless you count all the music in the record store stolen from black musicians. That's right. Tell tell the truth. (laughs) So I don't like that movie. No, No. actually I do. It's pretty good. It's got Liv Tyler, Renee Zellweger before her face fell off, and the cute guy from Can't Hardly Wait for the ladies. The cute guy from Ethan Embry, I think his name is. Okay. Uh not one, but two Kevin Hart specials are on Netflix now because he works a lot. And I'd say he should go for quality over quantity, but I saw him live and I laughed a lot. I've so yet I can't see, talk S anymore. I've yet to see a bad stand up from him. I'll yeah. say that. That was one of the most enjoyable stand ups probably of my lifetime okay. when we were 10 feet away from Kevin Hart right at uh, the, the Chuckle Hut. Yeah, Flappers <laughs> in Burbank. And Burbank, the Chuckle Hut. <laughs> there were 30 people in there. Right. I think that the capacity in there is maybe like 115 people. Uh, these ones are called. Laugh at my pain. Laugh at my pain. Yeah, that that was one of that was probably the first one that got him to explode some seven eight years ago. And the other one is called Seriously Funny, which no. sounds like he's trying to convince you <laughs> I, that you should watch. I think that may have been the one that he did at the Eagles Stadium, where he sold out the Eagles uh, Stadium out there in Philadelphia. I hate Lincoln the Eagles. Oh, oh, okay. no, not the not the not the uh, because he's a big fan. Couldn't get on stage last year after they won the Super Bowl, though. Yeah, well, Did make fun of himself yes. in the promotion for game one of the NFL season between the Eagles and Falcons. Right. That was pretty good. Uh, another movie that you may or may not want to see, depending on if your lady friend makes you. It's called Must Love Dogs, a rom-com with Diane Lane. Kill me. Whose dog I'd let poop on my lawn, if you know what I mean. Uh. I don't even know what that means, but Diane Lane is in it, and she's still looking pretty good. John Cusack as well. Mm. The Clint Eastwood movie Mystic River Mm. is coming. The one where Sean Penn and Tim Robbins both won Academy Awards for, but I thought it was a little bit overrated. Mm. Yeah, I haven't seen it, so I can't disagree with you or agree with you. I'll just say, okay. I'm more of a Gran Torino guy. Get off my lawn. Gran Torino is very good. Million Dollar Baby, Mostly one of my because favorites, too. I don't think Clint acts in Mystic River. <laughs> oh, he, he directs it, he but I don't remember him being in it. Okay. Which is fine, but I love Clint. So do I. <laughs> uh, here's one that did not win any Academy Awards. New York Minute with Mary-Kate Nashley. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> uh, so I this think- is one of the Olsen twins straight to VHS type movies back in the day? Yeah, but this came out in 2004 oh, when they so. were grown up and pretty hot. No, before I mean, their faces melted. Well, so one of them was like coked up, right? And then they had yeah. to it and 
Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's an Adams girl. That's right. Exactly. Right, right. Adams type. You can get a bump. <laughs> get a bump. And a blump. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> now, this is not their best work, believe me. My sister <laughs> made me watch the Olsen twin movies back in the you day. You don't say, huh? And How the West Was Fun wasn't too bad. <laughs> I saw that's a cut. Co- they're on the cover with like coats. With like uh, boots and stuff, like they're yeah. uh, like they're cowgirls or cowboys or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think they were. I don't know. Yeah, they had no. some spurs on. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> Here's a good movie, but I haven't seen it. It's Sergio Leone's. How do you know it's good? Speaking of westerns, it's Serge, It's a Sergio Leone movie. I don't mean nothing. Did the good, the bad, and the ugly. Somebody can have. People can have. It's full of dollars. People have duds for a few dollars more. I don't think it's nice. Something like that. Like they bought your approval for for a few dollars for a movie you haven't even seen. Well. It has an 8 on IMDb, which means something, but not everything. Right. I need to watch it. Mm-hmm. It's Once Upon a Time in America, where Robert De Niro expands his acting repertoire by playing a Jewish gangster this time. Oh. Very different okay. from all the Italian sure. mobsters he's accustomed to playing. You're right. You're right. <laughs> the movie Pay It Forward with Kevin Spacey, mm-hmm. also known as the white gay Bill Cosby, is out. And I'm guessing Spacey has never paid it forward, considering he's now being accused of sexual battery by a massage therapist. He probably wishes he could disappear like Kaiser Soze. <laughs> and how well did his last movie do that came to theaters? Like Not 12 much. people saw it? I think I netted like $22 or something. No, like 520 bucks. I'm not an exaggerating. <laughs> You're like, right. Like less than $1,000 is how much he got. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Another he sicko. for his legal fees. There you go. <laughs> Uh, Paul Rubin, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Pee-wee Herman, has his classic Pee-wee's Big Adventure back on Netflix, directed by Tim Burton, written by the late Phil Hartman. Mm-hmm. Should probably revisit that. Been a long time. Phil Hartman or Pee-wee's Adventure? I'd go to Phil Hartman's grave, maybe, but oh, <laughs> he wrote it. I know you knew Tim Phil Tim Burton so well. directed it. Yeah. it Phil the also voice gets of- an eight on IMDb. Yeah. No, maybe a seven. Phil the voice of Troy McClure from uh, The Simpsons. Colon blow. <laughs> he was probably the best character actor type guy ever yeah. on SNL. Yeah. Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Good one. Starring a guy who can't act, but it's still a pretty good movie, yeah, right? It's good. Yeah. I like it. Funny. This was before Kevin Costner did Waterworld and The Postman. He was on yeah, top of the yeah. world. God, Waterworld was so bad. Now, for my money, the Disney cartoon of Robin Hood is the best. The one with the fox. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was going to John Robin Hood right. run through the forest. In fact, the fox Marion, Marianne, is hotter than the one in this movie, where Marianne is played by Mary Elizabeth Mastrononio. She's Mastron- a handsome woman. I see. She's a Sigourney Weaver type. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. Some you people are into it. You have, well, you have an affinity for for animated animal cartoon females anyway. So yeah. any real life woman will lose. Well, we to all that. do. Any I just real life to woman it. will lose to that anyway. That's not necessarily true. <laughs> oh my I mean, god, I feel so good. I'll admit that Jasmine's like number one at the top of my list. Well, while acknowledging she's not real, she's at least human. Jasmine has an ass on her. Take off her clothes. She got some spunk to her too. <laughs> Jasmine will smack me upside down. like, oh, yeah, give me another. Would you like to show her the world? <laughs> you ain't lying. <laughs> well, no, she had a tiger. This, this, might be, this carpet might be old and dusty and it don't fly. Just use your imagination, girl. Don't worry about it. <laughs> He's nude and thinking bad thoughts. All right. Somebody who might smack you for that comment, Jackie Chan. His best mm. movie 
is coming to Netflix or is here now, which means it's not the tuxedo, mm. but Rumble in the Bronx. Is that your favorite? That's mine. Um, well, his like his solo movie where he's the star and not being Rush Hour. Yeah, not the buddy cop stuff. The old school, okay. real Jackie Chan. That was martial the arts first movies. movie of his that I saw. That I that okay. I know who this guy. This is amazing. I know who Jackie Chan was. Was yeah. Rumble in the Bronx? Yes. And Operation Condor and that stuff too. But yeah. Rumble in the Bronx was so badass. Yeah. Except for this one scene, which I love. It makes me laugh every time. But there's a kid playing a Sega Game Gear. And there is no game cartridge in it. <laughs> you can clearly see it from the back, yet they're doing all these sound effects and trying to sell it so hard. And I'm screaming at the TV, going, hey, I have a game gear. There's obviously no cartridge in it. Maybe it was modded, Adam. My ass. <laughs> it was nineteen. He came back in time. He came from back in time, all right? <laughs> he got the Elon Musk, the time machine. The next one also uh, is very personal to me. It's a biopic based on my life. It's called Dazed and Confused. <laughs> no. No. Richard Linkler. Linkletter, whatever. She's out of my league. <laughs> yeah. It's got the Brit blonde bombshell, Alice Eve, who finally gives the nice guy a chance, but then he gets all insecure because he can't believe she's really going out with him. It's a raunchy rom com. Okay. You know, I've never seen it. Not bad. Okay. Rated R. So wait. Alice so, Eve's really hot. So he's the classic nice guy that gets the girl, but he loses her because he gets too thirsty and insecure? Yeah. Oh, good. That's like real life. Unlike most of these rom-coms, that's pretty good. Because <laughs> most of the time, this guy is like this little dork in the corner who's so shy, and then she eventually realizes the guy who was a jerk, who they always go for, who's really just like confident and sure of himself, and they like, I don't want you. I want this guy who doesn't have enough confidence to talk to me. Oh. And they live happily ever after. Yeah, that happens. And she had... The douchey, good-looking boyfriend right. that he had to compete with in this movie, too. Right. Yeah. And the little dork always ends up winning. Sure, he does. That's how it always works. It does happen in this one, I think. Spoiler alert. But- no, that's what I mean. But, I mean, it happens in all of them. That's the problem. But not in real life. That, that, it doesn't. So, I think. So, I've heard. Sorry. <laughs> that nerd must have felt lucky. But do you feel lucky, punk? Mm. Because next we have the Deadpool. Not. The Ryan Reynolds version. Okay. The Merc with the Mouth Deadpool. No. This is the last Dirty Harry movie with Clint Eastwood blowing people's heads clean off. Quit trying to bite a real show. If you didn't know why Petro says that all the time, it is from Dirty Harry. The Devil's Advocate is on Netflix, and that has a scene where you might blow your head clean off if you know what I'm saying. Charlie's Theron naked. But she's all cut up, so you're kind of a weirdo if you get into that sort of thing. You're halfway to necrophiliac. We don't let them listen to our show. <laughs> I mean, unless they want to. It's kind of a free country. Listen to whatever you want. I mean, yeah, look, I some people are into things that I'm not. But you can't win Spider-Man. Oh, okay. That's where we draw the That's line. That's where we draw the line. <laughs> uh, yeah. The Green Mile is coming. That was by the same director who did Shawshank Redemption, which is a lot of people's favorite movie of all time. I understand why. Green Mile was good. Not that good. So I heard it. I never saw it. You know, neither have I. <laughs> I've seen it parodied a couple of times, but I've never actually seen it. With the late Michael Clark Duncan. Yes. Was before. he married to Amorosa or were they engaged? Ooh. They were together. They were a thing. Okay. I knew that. They were a thing. That thing? I'm sure they were doing <laughs> 
I'm sure they were doing some things, which ain't a visual that I needed, but <laughs> is that how you had the heart attack and died? <laughs> Maybe. Uh rest in peace. Uh the never ending story okay. is coming out yeah. with the Treyu and his wooden knife he used to fight the nihilist wolf known as Gamork. Mm-hmm. Which had a big impact on me, just like Jaws did as a kid. It's your great fear, right? Is Gamork is going to come eat you, right? That's still your fear to this day. Sharks, snakes, and wolves. Mm. They mess with me. But yeah, Gamork is the coolest wolf of all time. But lions, tigers, and bears, nothing. They're all little bitches compared to you, right? Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. Kick them Sharks, right. snakes, and wolves, man. Oh, got you. Uh, White Fang also mm-hmm. did it to me. <laughs> the Shining is out just in time for Halloween. Doesn't have any wolves that I remember, remember, but it does have a bear pig performing fellatio. Any comment on that? Uh, I'm just trying to conceive it. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen the Shining. What? Uh, yeah, I haven't seen the Shining. Uh, Now's the time. I don't know. After that last description, I think I might pass. It is one of the creepier scenes. I think I might just look at the cliff and Aretha Spark notes if they have that on Shining and just do that. And random. I have no idea what's going on there. So it wasn't even necessary to the particular scene or anything that was happening. Seems does, like it's... Did it help set the scene? Like, oh, there's other weird stuff coming kind of thing? You know, maybe we'll have to both watch it together. Maybe we won't. Maybe just that scene. I think we'll have to pass. Over and over again. I think I'm going to be busy. till we get to the bottom I'm of gonna what's happening. I'm going to be busy on that day and time <laughs> that you asked me to I haven't given you. you that day and time. I'm sure I'll be busy either, either way. <laughs> I know you've seen this movie. Because there's a famous Kevin Figures sound drop from you talking about V for Vendetta with Natalie Portman and you saying, because he had a, she had a shaved head, and I waxed that thing all day. I said I'd shine that thing all day. Ah, oh, I misquoted. Uh, but yes, <laughs> yes. V for Vendetta was a very good movie too. Yeah, you freaking lefty liberal. That's not necessarily, no, it's just a movie. I just like the film in and of itself. Here comes DMAC. Yeah, exactly. Has <laughs> uh, nothing to do with any political affiliations or what I feel about the government or anything. And yes, Natalie Portman is bad, even when she's bald. <laughs> even to this day. Now, if you don't like that image of Kevin shining her head all day, maybe you could instead think about Seth Rogen and Elizabeth Banks having sex and Zack and Mira make a porno. A love story about people coming together through porn. There's got to be a better way to say that. I had heard of that. I always thought that was one of those, like, not another teen movie, goofy comedy, here's some boobs for every five minutes kind of things. No. I didn't know it was an actual movie. There's some heart to it. I just looked at the at the title. I'm like, yeah, this looks stupid. And some penis. <laughs> no. Of course they don't show anything. I'll pass. <laughs> Wait, did you say Seth Rogen or Joe Rogan? Seth. Okay. For a time, I thought he said Joe Rogan. I was like, Joe Rogan, X. Well, he's doing the play-by-play. Oh, perfect. Or <laughs> he has them on their podcast. Yeah, on the podcast, doing it right on the table. Perfect. <laughs> there you have it. There's everything that came to Netflix last night Good. that you can watch right now. I could check in on a few of those. I might check in on The Shining. It's, I'll add that to the list of iconic movies I haven't watched. Stanley Kubrick. God knows there's many of them. So I'll add that to the queue. With Jack Nicholson. Here's Johnny. I know that line. Yeah. You Who see? Doesn't? I mean, you shouldn't doesn't? get to say lines from The Shining if you haven't seen it. Now, I do the same thing. <laughs> With The Godfather 3. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I started watching that about two months ago. And stopped? I stopped about ten minutes in. It wasn't, be- it wasn't because it sucked. I got sidetracked and I never got back to oh, it. It probably okay. did suck from what I remember. I don't know. It probably isn't that bad as long as you don't watch the first two right beforehand. Yeah. And you're comparing quality-wise with those. It's been a while since I've seen the first two. 
So, but I just know I had never seen three. Okay. So I was like, maybe I should check in on it. 949-478-1197 is the number to leave us a voicemail. We do have one voicemail to get to today. We'll get to the rest of your voicemails should you send them in, and hopefully you do, especially if you're interested in getting that Spider-Man video game. You should do it. Again, 949-478-1197. Yeah. One voicemail to get to. Let's take a listen. Okay, so this week's six-pack, I really only have two because by the time I drink the second one, I get too sleepy. Best uh, wins is the Tennessee Titans, my local team that I kind of cheer for just because I like the city happy. Um, against Philadelphia, that's pretty good. Against the Jaguars the week before, that's pretty good. Yeah. The worst loss is my Detroit Lions, which is just – oh, by the way um, – um, can't wait to hear what Eat, eat That P uh, says about the, the Titans. Um, the worst loss is the Detroit Lions. Just golly, you got to kick Dallas while they're down, and you didn't. You had a chance, and you didn't. Um, the Ryder Cup, quite short and quick. They suck, man. They don't. They don't. They're just so upsetting to watch. No cohesion. Um, now you got. Keith and Reed kind of chirping at each other about um, Reed um, said some bad things about Steve, so Steve didn't want to play with him, and, and they just couldn't keep it at the door and just play together. Just a ridiculous um, showing, uh, 17 and a half to 10 and a half. Um, Tony Finau, who I was telling you about, did play well, two and one for a rookie. I thought it was pretty good. We'll talk to you later. I heard Tiger and Phil both went 0 for 6 in their match play. Tiger in Tiger's heyday was bad, was historically bad in the Ryder Cup. Yeah. I've always felt, and maybe you, I don't know, we could give two Fs about the Ryder Cup. And like Unless the, we win. the Europeans care about it more and always have cared about it a lot more than, than we always have. Because otherwise, it just doesn't explain that we'd be that bad, regardless of whose soil that we're on. The real interest level was just because Tiger yeah. is peaking. He's back. We want there's, to see as much as possible because we don't get another major till next April. Yeah, there's always some general interest in that when people can rally around the country when it comes to a certain sport. Yeah. It's easy to for the novices and the yeah. peripheral fans to jump on board. So people get into it. The scoring is somewhat complicated if you don't know what's going on. But I mean, but generally speaking, I've never felt that the Americans who play in it really give two Fs about the Ryder Cup all that much. So are we making excuses, though, Kevin? Baby. I mean, I just couldn't get the ball in the hole. And I look, wanted to, but I just couldn't do it. And maybe this is a better question for our golf expert, Tori, who just left that call. I don't know. But we won all, in 2016. Yeah. So the last time, the first time we won. We, it was the first time we won in like nine like years 08. or something. Yeah, it was like. Yeah. And before that, it was a long stretch before we won, too. We just, I get a sense we don't put as much emphasis on it as a country together with our individual golfers as much as they do over there. That's just my opinion. Yeah. I have nothing to back it up with. I don't have any like I, evidence, but it just... The part of, perception of it that seems that way to me. Did we also not care? Because what? It was in France. And it was what's in Paris. The, what's the time there when you could watch it? You have to get up at three in the morning or something like that I to don't actually know watch it live. The, yeah, the equivalent. I know I was doing updates at Fox Sports Radio this past weekend, and Saturday's action started at 11 o'clock at night local time in L.A. Okay. That is when coverage. So you would imagine that's a problem. Coverage probably starts mid morning or something local time in Paris or wherever they might be doing it mid morning, mid early afternoon. Yeah. So yeah, it's a giant time difference. I don't want to watch on tape delay like the Olympics, which they still do, which is insane. 
<laughs> so yeah, they do it for network TV for people that I know. Care, but you can they always... go for the prime uh, viewing uh, spots. But if you want to watch time. it live, you can. Viewership. Yeah. They put it on CNBC or they put it on C-SPAN two or whatever else. To they work that hard. Whatever chances they want to put it on. I want to see Costas and his pink eye. You won't be seeing that much anymore. Uh-oh. Costas is duty, it Tarico now? Costas' duties have been greatly diminished at NBC. They've had, I've had a press release about two months ago about that. Wait a second. Yes. Are we talking about a Me Too situation? No, it didn't seem like it. What girl could he overpower? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all. Maybe Which she know. didn't, because nothing happened. No, I don't. I don't think we so. know. Yeah. No, I think it's just the natural age phasing out aging process. By the way, I don't think Costas has aged what, yeah. once since in like the last twenty five years. Looks exactly looks, the same. He's never changed. He's got they have the good genes, good docs when it comes to him. Maybe it's both. I don't know. But yeah. Costas Those are great docs, and his performance hasn't dropped at all from what I've seen no, in anything he's, he's still done. Pretty much the gold standard. So unless they feel like, oh, we got to hit with these millennials and get younger. I mean, they've already kicked him off of Sunday Night Football, right? He's out. Dan Patrick is out. Mm-hmm. And they both used to be a big point. Now, Dan says he voluntarily asked out, which yeah, maybe he did. I'm I don't sure. Know. You're out. I don't know. But I know Bob wasn't. Bob was I like take, Was taken off. Tariko's excellent. Tariko's excellent. He's a star. Uh, but I like Costas. I've always liked Costas. Me too. So it uh, looks like. It makes me think of 90s NBA on NBC. Always. But the Peacock. Mm-hmm. We love that. Love a good Peacock. So did Petros. Actually, he hated the Peacocks and says <laughs> he wants to shoot them if he could, but apparently it's not legal to do that. Yeah, PETA. But, I mean, they want to show up on my... How about we send... They were the, pooping all over yeah, his yard. Send the peahens all the way to the PETA people and have them crap all over their front porch and see how they feel about it. Now, those are the females, the peahens? The peahens, yeah. It's just like chickens and, you know, you have you have cocks and you have the, the hens. Yeah. So peahens and peacocks is the same thing. But the peacocks, are the males are the ones with the giant flurry colors. They're the ones who... That's what the term peacocking. Well, if they're not shaved. Oh, what are we talking about? <laughs> talking about the colorful feathers. Okay. Uh, that they use to court. Women. I got confused. I don't know what. Now we're doing a Cox cable segment all of a sudden. No, we're not doing the PMS <laughs> Cox cable segment. We do thank Petros for coming on the show, by the way. Yeah. Uh, at Petros and Money and at the old P, both verified on Twitter. Let them know you heard him here. Yes. It was late notice, too. It was. So we appreciate him for that, as always. And we kept him way too long, as usual. Yeah, that always happens. He didn't get mad this time, though. At least not outwardly. We gave him some of his greatest hits. You get him talking about USC and Pete Carroll. Yeah, Pete Carroll. He loves it. Really make him into a star. He sinks his teeth into those topics. He waxes nostalgic about his uh, old USC days when he was the captain of the worst team ever. Calls himself out for ditching Cal. I did tell you about that one time (laughs) I came in our our newsroom, and there was a loop of Petro scoring a touchdown against San Jose State. That was Vasse put that together, right? I thought it was Huska. It was an anniversary. Oh, yeah. Huska. You're right. But, uh, There's I, no way Vasse would care to do that. No, Vasse would be the one to take it, the tape out and throw it against the wall and stomp on it. That's what Dave would do. <laughs> it was just like, it was like one of those, it was like a, like speed. Remember they put the, ta- the tape on a loop? Pop quiz, hot shot. That's what it was like. There was Tell one. that wildcat behind the wheel. There was one TV of Petro scoring a touchdown against San Jose State, and it ran over and over again for like nine straight hours. <laughs> do not attempt to grow a brain. Didn't need go to brain see. dead watching yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't need to see that one. Um, at KFig1 is where you can find me on Twitter. Adam is at Follow Adam A. We are at FNA Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Petros is at Not a Fullback. <laughs> not a White Fullback. Yeah. <laughs> or at the OP. You can find him there too. Yeah. Um, we'll nine, be back four, on Thursday. We're back Thursday, 949 478 1197 to leave a voicemail. Tori's in the running for that PS4 game. That was a good call, Tori. You can be too.
Our so, resident golf expert here on the FNA podcast. And he even threw in his own little NFL six-pack, which we appreciate there, Tori. Thanks Tori so cares about the Ryder Cup if nobody else cares. That's right. It's like Pac. That's right. Uh, as Adam mentioned, we're back this coming Thursday. Remember, FNAPodcast.com. Click on that Amazon banner. RipTheParrow.com. Use the code FNA. Get 10% off of your purchase. Yeah. Until Thursday, where we're giving away another Spider-Man game. Not in a physical form. It's just a download thing nowadays. Like all the DLC stuff. Downloadable content. Now you just download the entire game. Which I think is going to take up like 60 gigs. But I don't know. I don't know how these things work. I don't have new games. Delete something. You guys do. And you're going to want this game. And somebody won it a couple weeks ago. And we're doing it again. So call that talk-ass hotline. And tell us we're cool. That's how you get the inside track to winning. All right. Until Thursday, I'm Adam. He's Kevin. We'll talk to you then. Just tweet Adam. Nice pecs. That's what we were so uh, pumped for.